does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I think we've gone over this, Kevin. The opening to the show there is Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy, and then the big question is the third. Have we determined who that is? I think I know. Oh gosh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I I wasn't paying attention there. Mark, are you? Can you play the opener we've, again? We've played it every morning for five years. Kevin's yeah, Peyton like, and Tony. Yes. Usually at this point is when we're frantically trying to figure out if our headphones work. Admittedly. Okay. Mulligan right. here. Yeah. I can't hear anything, so here we go. All right. It's Kevin and Query. I throw, you catch. Yeah, it's not Peyton. that hard, okay? All right, get the Saturday Night Live, right? But talk a lot about drills and fundamentals. That's Dungy, watch clearly, it, watch right? Watch it, watch it, watch it. So watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. 107. Vince Lombardi? Oh, baby. That sounds fair to me. Mark, your thoughts? Well, I can't hear anything, but sure, I'll say Vince Lombardi. Well, Rick, how have you never Rick heard Venturi it? Well, I've heard it. I can't get my Colts. I was told it's Mills Lane. Who? Yeah, Mills Lane. I can see that too. That that's Yelling from a, during a fight. I, I, or I think that must have been maybe during the Tyson Holofield fight. Maybe? Really? It screams NFL films to me. It does. What? What the hell's going on yeah. out there? Yeah. Or like you know, in the movie Rudy, where the guy's got the megaphone up in the tower. You know, Rudy comes out to practice. Everybody starts cl- cl- uh, clapping for him and. He yells, what the hell's going down on there? Let's get back to work. You know that... Never seen Rudy, so I wouldn't know. I've seen Rudy... Here's Lord the Mark. Okay, I've seen Rudy. I don't know that I've ever sat beginning to end to watch Rudy, but I've seen like little bits and pieces of it here and there. It's a ringing but, endorsement. No, but it is... And I... I can't stand Notre Dame football, right? Like, they're not Kentucky basketball level. Um... But they're they're you know they're not communists they're up there, but that movie admittedly is fantastic and the scene where even though I'm sure it's embellished where the the players all come in and lay their jersey down to Dan Devine and then Rudy gets out there and plays and his family's in the crowd wearing the like 70s jackets I mean it's pretty cool. It's- I used to have the final 20 minutes of the movie memorized. Um, you could cue the nerd sound there, Mark. If you would like, no thanks. Uh, it begins with you know Fortune walking through Fortune the groundskeeper uh, walking through the concourse, and he sees Rudy looking out onto the field through one of the tunnels, through one of the you know whatever you call I guess you would call those concourses to the um, to the seats. So yeah, the hey hey hey, what you doing here? Don't you have practice? Yeah, used to. I, I haven't done it, and I, I think it'd be very boring radio. But at one point, I had the final 20 minutes memorized. Why well, the you final? You are a huge nerd. <laughs> it's like that, Brian, that did it right there. It's like the 87 IU National Championship game. Uh, by the way, Brian Hammonds, the golf commentator extraordinaire, said he thinks that's Jerry Glanville. I- I'm impressed that Brian Hammonds is up this morning. Great dude, Brian Hammonds. Oh, he's the best. Uh, NFL referee mic'd up during a 1968 game, so says Scotty, Scotty J. Somebody else said it sounds like Bob Lamy. It actually kind of does. Screams NFL films to me. I remember... When and I don't mean this to make the individual. I hope it doesn't make him feel old because he was super young at the time. Uh, he still is. I told Brian Hammonds this though. When I was in the sixth or seventh grade, I was at the Rax Restaurant at Seventy First in Benford. Rax was fabulous, by the way. And went in, and Brian Hammonds was having his dinner, and he was the weekend guy at Channel Six at the time. Actually, he was kind of transitioning into becoming the main guy at Channel Six. 
and I might as well have walked in to see Paul McCartney eating racks. I, I was so <laughs> over the moon and stars and went up to him, and he was super nice to me. He, I, we talked about the Pacers, I remember, about how bad the Pacers were. He was a Golf Channel icon in the oh, early days. Totally. He him, was and, there, him and Scott Van Pelt. He basically got it off the ground, right? Yeah, and yeah. you know, for a young me watching TV and, and getting into golf, that was something I um, really enjoyed. And then getting to meet him personally, he's been great to me ever since. A good Thursday morning to you. Feels like a Tuesday. This week, I feel like, is easy, though. Tomorrow's Friday, boys. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we are almost there. The finish line is in. It's been a rough week. <laughs> sight. Uh, it is another steamy and muggy Thursday morning. Scott Agnes at 8.30 as we are finally to the day where the NBA says, oh yeah, all those trades and free agent signings that we announced and not officially announced over the last week or so, those now become official. So... Uh, look for a potential press conference at some point today that potentially could announce some Pacers moves. Uh, Again, Scott going to join us here coming up at 8.30. He's off to Vegas for the Summer League. The Pacers' first Summer League game will be tomorrow, or uh, excuse me, Saturday night. Tomorrow night, you could get Trace Jackson Davis against Jalen Hood Shafino. That will be a late one out there in Vegas. Trace Jackson Davis with the new contract, right? Yeah, I see two years guaranteed on that four-year deal. Correct. Here's what's interesting about that. And I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to be a fine player in the NBA. Okay? In other words, I think he's going to do just fine. But it is funny. When you define fine, what, what, what do you well, go in other with words, you? Like a two, ninth man for six years? There are two, you know, people use the term fine sometimes. Like, you know, that, boy, I'll tell you, that... That Tyrese Halliburton's a fine player, you know, like a like a rare talent. Fine meaning, I think he's going to be fine. In other words, like I, I think he'll be a solid. I'm just going based off of like minutes and contribution to his team. I think he'll be like O'Shea Brissett was last year for the Pacers. You know, a guy that that consistently gives 18, 20, 25 minutes a game can slot in as a starter if there are injuries or whatever else and hold his own. I think the Draymond Green re-signing Golden State probably hurts his minutes a little bit, but he's but that's a a capable player for Trace Jackson Davis to just kind of learn from and understudy. I, I think he'll be a good player who's in the NBA a long time. I think it's also interesting, and I could see how people would probably poke fun at the fact that Trace Jackson Davis signs with Golden State for a four-year contract, and his agent is the brother of the general manager of Golden State. I mean, that almost feels like the NBA would be like, whoa, wait a minute. I Doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, basically, the I, I don't know Golden State's transactional history, but it, it would appear as though the first player signed under Mike Dunleavy as the general manager is a client of his brother. Right, obviously Mike being a new, new GM, I Correct. mean, just in the last month or so, taking over for Bob Myers. Yeah, I don't know if the NBA could restrict that. That seems a little harsh. Uh, credit to James Dunleavy and Mike Dunleavy for obviously ascending into those respective roles. Uh, looked like Jalen Huchavino had a really nice night last night from a summer league standpoint. Uh, 20 points on 8 of 17 shooting. Um, so that will be tomorrow night out in Vegas for Indiana fans. I think it's an 11 o'clock tip. I believe that follows Victor Webb and Yama and Brandon Miller. Kevin Pritchard said a few weeks back, I guess this is after the lottery, so probably about a month ago, Victor Webanyama will never play in front of an arena that is not sold out. Uh, the first summer league game is sold out for Victor Webanyama. 
So I guess it starts in Vegas. Brandon Miller, a little slow out of the gate, right? Yeah, uh, sloppy opener for him in the summer league. So uh, we'll start get into that action here coming up again tomorrow night, and the Pacers will begin things on Saturday. Um, Scott Agnes at 8.30, and then Katie Wingy at 9.40. She is basically the Jeremiah Johnson of the Denver Nuggets. And so we'll get more into Bruce Brown Jr., with her, I think it's pretty apparent, <clears throat> even if you just solely watch the Denver Nuggets parade, what Bruce Brown Jr. meant to that team and to that franchise. I think he plays, his style of game is easy to like. Very easy to like. Uh, plays hard, versatile, can do a little bit of everything. Uh, and when you have got stars like Jokic and Murray and those sorts of guys, the complimentary role of a hustle guy that plays both ends of the floor really well, I can see why a fan base would really gravitate towards him. And it seems like Bruce Brown Jr. had that sort of effect with Denver. So we'll get a little bit more into him coming up at 940. Was he there, Bob Sanders? Is that overstating it? Probably overstating it. Um, Because you remember Bob Sanders. No WWE fan. What what are we doing here? What what, what are we doing, Mark? We're trying to do a radio show here, Mark. First off, you don't know the Open. I know the Open. My headset wasn't You can't hear the Open, but you can hear the inadvertent drops that you're just coming I was trying to check out our YouTube stream, and I clicked on a video on accident, and it just fired off. <laughs> you, you know that we're doing a show Top here, right? 10 WWE it's, it's a Thursday that feels like a Tuesday. Okay, you know how YouTube like algorithms. You, you want me stuff? to go get you a coffee? I can go down to Jack's Donuts get got you a coffee. Bucky's coffee right here. Okay, scorching hot. <laughs> um, and now I can't remember what we were talking. Oh, Bob Sanders when the Colts won the Super Bowl. You know, he he was the guy that. I always say this: every every championship team has that guy that is kind of a glue piece that the fans love, but people outside the market wouldn't realize their level of, of importance to the team. So so he's yeah, probably not at that prime. But. I'd label him like more in the T.J. McConnell. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess if T.J. McConnell and Bob Sanders had a baby. Let's go there. Oh, well, that would be interesting. Yeah, that'd be quite the science, to say the least, there on that front. So a little bit more on Bruce you know, Brown. They're probably trying to do that with them grooming. Coming up at 940. Speaking of Brian Hammonds, your, your your mind has me thinking a little bit here. Jake, I'm rocking a 1991 Cricket Stick PGA Championship hat. Wow, where did you get that? I uh, actually got it at Cricket Stick. Um, oh, so they still sell them? Yeah. That is fabulous. W- what? I was two years old. What do you remember about that? Oh, okay. So I'll, I can, I'll do this briefly, but a couple of things, Kevin. First off, you got to understand... It was huge for the city of Indianapolis for a couple of reasons, and, and I was I was such, and I know this will stun you, such a homer and, and pride guy about Indianapolis and Indiana in general. And for so long, really, our two things that we hung our hat on were, you know, hey, the Indy 500 and IU basketball, right? And then the Colts traded for Eric Dickerson, and they had a Monday night game against Denver, in 88, and that kind of all of a sudden Indianapolis became kind of legitimized as a sports city beyond just the amateur sports capital of the world. So in 1991, which was the summer after my graduation of high school, you know, obviously like a year before that, it was announced that Crooked Stick was going to have the PGA. It was a huge buzz leading up to it because we had never had the final four here was here in 91. It was here in 1980, obviously. The final four came back in 91. So we'd had the final four in April. And then now in late August, I think it was, or early August, you have the PGA. So there was this huge, like, 
you know, just buzz and talk about like where they're going to park and, and, you know, all of the, the, I mean, it was a massive event and it happened in the weekend that I left for college. So I remember watching at the university of Kansas in the fraternity house that I moved into right away and sitting there and, and watching and all the guys that I were, you know, my pledge brothers at Kansas were golf guys. One of them, my, my best friend at Kansas was a guy by the name of Bo Vickers and his parents owned, his family owned um, Cherry Creek Golf Course in Denver. He was a, like a scratch golfer. Jeez. And they were... That's quite the family to know. Totally. And and of course, you know, I'd, I'd played putt-putt. And watching John, John Daly, I mean, it was like everyone was captivated by it because it wasn't just, Kevin, long-winded answer here for you, but... It's one thing to have a golf ter- a major on television and everybody's watching it like, oh, you know, we're going to watch a major. But people that weren't even golf fans were drawn in and, and attached to it because this guy that nobody had heard of that was like a third alternate and had a big mullet and a big gut on him yeah. and was walking a up. country mile. Yeah, and he's walking up the fairway and, and, you know, pumping his fist at the crowd as everybody's going crazy. I mean, it was captivating. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's certainly one of those majors because that's obviously the only one that Cricket Sick has held. Uh, from a men's standpoint, um, it's certainly one that I think a ton of people do remember because of, you know, obviously the daily storyline. And then, you know, I would assume here locally, Jake, a big storyline was the tragedy of one of the spectators losing their lives due to being struck by lightning. I do recall that now that you mention it, yeah. And, and daily, you know, a very new PGA Tour golfer, certainly not one with tons and tons of money by any means. Um I believe donated a portion of his winning check to the college fund of of the kids uh, of the uh, of the person that that died. So yeah, I was just curious. You know, it's an event that you know early '90s. You know, we still weren't yet. I think fully on the sports map, certainly like we are today. Oh, that is a totally accurate statement. Yes, and you know, just seeing the success that the BMW Championships have had when they've held it there, the U.S. Senior Open, the Solheim Cup. You know, Curtis Sick has uh, deservedly so held some outstanding events, but. Yeah, I was just curious about that. British Open, by the way, next week. Final now, so the hat, for golf. how recently did you get that hat? I got about a month ago. Yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, it's super cool. And it, it's very 1991 looking. That's what makes it great. Yeah, they've got now, can, the, uh, Are you a member of Crooked Stick? <laughs> no, can anybody not. just drive in and go to the gift shop there and walk uh, in and buy I, one? I would think so. Yeah. I would. I would think so, yeah. But no, I don't think I'd show up and, you know, hey, you guys got any open tea times? What's the twilight rate look like today? I don't think you're going to be... Uh, Do you have to drop Eddie White's name? Getting on the course there. Certainly, if you take a cigar and say, you know Eddie White, you probably... Well, I don't know. You might get looked at a little crooked today. Uh, speaking of Eddie White, again, the Pacers uh, moratorium for the NBA uh, ends today. So you could get a little bit more of public comments from them. Uh, we'll see about Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin with the moves the Pacers have made over the last handful of days. Uh, last night for the what seems like the umpteenth night in a row, you turn on the Reds, Jake, and you get entertained. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it is fascinating to see one guy, and I know that it's been more than one guy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Reds have arrived. I heard, you know, Lance McAllister was on with JMV yesterday, great interview, who works at WLW down in Cincinnati, and he was saying when they got all of these young players, they were thinking 2025. And they've all punched the time card, er, er, punched 
the time card early. Now, don't look they, now, but here come the right. red legs. Oh, are they, they going to be you. able to sustain it? I, you know, that's a that's another question. I mean, there have been plenty of players. I think sometimes in baseball, you have your elite level players, right? And you know that those players are going to have great years. Oftentimes, teams that that have a dream summer, it's because their auxiliary players, two or three of them, are having career years simultaneously. You know, you get guys like the 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 utility players, the the journeyman second baseman. All of a sudden, they go from two sixty hitters to two ninety hitters. All of the set, you know what I mean? Like it takes it takes a, a bunch of players together. Having said all of that, the energy level and just overall buzz excitement of Ellie De La Cruz is literally it feels like that carries them. Last night in the second inning, De La Cruz had a little. I guess you call it maybe a gadget at the end of his bat. And Davey Martinez, the Nationals manager, wanted to check it to make sure it was legal. And they turn around in the fifth inning. De La Cruz hits a 455-foot home run. And safe to say, he gave a bit of a glare over to the Nationals' dugout. I mean, you get entertainment. You get drama. You get power. You get speed. You get routine comebacks. Last night sealed their seventh straight road series victory. That is just an astonishing number to me. It is wild to see how quickly they have all of a sudden turned into like must watch. We don't say that about baseball no, teams. No, totally. We do not say that about baseball teams. We certainly don't say say it about teams in the month of June, July. Uh, and I feel like Joey Votto's presence, I really enjoy listening to Votto. I think he has some great perspective on things. And Votto has made a couple of statements that have really struck me here over the last month. First off, he compared De La Cruz to Mickey Mantle. And I'm sure there's some Major League Baseball historians that are probably turning over in their grave at such a thought from a switch-hitting, speed, power guy. But I don't think Votto says that stuff just to say it. And you've watched De La Cruz so far. And again, we are very early in his career. But to throw out that name for him, I was like, wow. I mean, you just don't well, that's, say I that. Well, I mean, he's one of the top three compliments you could pass out, right? Just to say it, I mean, yeah. Willie Mays... And then the other thing that Votto said that I found interesting was he tried to make it a, a, an analogy to the Reds to an NBA team in that in years past, Votto labeled himself as the guy that you throw the ball into the post. And it was home run or strikeout. And that and that's kind of how the modern game has turned into. Whereas Votto says, now, this 2023 Reds team, he's like, we're the Warriors. We're the kings of this last year. We can run. We can put pressure on you in the base pass. Again, we're never out of a game. Like, yes, they have power sprinkled in there, and they're starting pitching. is certainly a question. But I feel like that aspect to it also makes them appointment television. I mean, it is. It's not just. It's not just. Yeah, well, we need to get a guy on base. Hopefully, hit a two-run homer. Uh, maybe get another two-run homer and win four-two. That, that that's not the style that the Reds are playing at all. Last night they had sixteen hits in the game. And uh, rather than that, I think that is the thing I'm curious about: is how much longer can they hold off with their bad starting pitching? It's like the fourth worst in the majors. It's like how how much before the offense comes back down sure. to earth and the the pitching needs to step up their game. And, and what do you do over these next couple of weeks? Because this is all of a sudden you've gone from 
in the thick of a rebuild to, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I are you winning now? Are you taking advantage of this? Do you trade one of the million prospects they have down in the minors for a rental? I will be super interested to see how the next couple of weeks play out. And some of their starting pitching it does sound like we'll get back in August. But still, e- even with that, I don't think you look at their rotation and think, oh, yeah, that's built for October. They're going to have a slump at some point. I, I mean, that's just inevitable. It's a matter then with the youth of how they respond to it. By the way, when De La Cruz hit the home run and then pointed to the gadget at the end of his bat before rounding the bases, Davey Martinez had the following to say after the game, quote, I love the way he plays the game. I didn't like his antics after he hit the home run. We can do without that. He's only got two weeks in the big leagues, but he's going to be a good player. Yeah, shut up. (laughs) I mean, come on. I mean, he's like basically, it's not often that baseball players come into the league and take the league kind of by storm and, and become the chatter of the league. And that's what he, maybe we're a little biased because the Reds are the team around here that we most, you know, cover, but... It certainly feels like he's got that that it factor that's back in the golden days would have been like the cover of Sports Illustrated, you know, that kind of thing. And if David Bell walked out to the umpire and said, will you check the national starting pitcher's glove? And they went out there and did that. And then the national starting pitcher mowed down the Reds with three straight strikeouts. And if the starting pitcher glared at the Reds dugout, you don't think Davey Martinez would have slapped him on the butt right. afterwards when he got to the dugout? Yeah. Again, baseball needs some of this. I did see they announced the home run derby. Yesterday, the lineup. I was disappointed not to see Daily Cruz in it. Isn't this a time to kind of cash in on that? Too small body of work, probably. I, yeah, but like, aren't we? Doesn't baseball need to get outside the box with some of that thinking? I would agree with that. I mean, baseball. Otani and Trout are banged up right now. They're baseball not in the has home marketed their stars as poorly as any sport that we've seen in a long time. I mean, Mike Trout should be a household name in the United States. Mike Trout should be able to walk into any Chick-fil-A in the United States and have people go, oh my gosh, Mike Trout's in here. I love Chick-fil-A. It is good, isn't it? Now, if he did that on a Sunday, it'd be interesting. Right, yeah. There's one of those in the Falcons Stadium, right? And it's closed when they play uh-huh. on Bell games there? <laughs> well, then I think they had, didn't they have awkward. like, didn't they have like the SEC championship game there and it was a Saturday and everybody's like, hey, Chick-fil-A's going to be open. And like, actually, it won't be. Oh, so wow. When is it ever open then? Colin says that Ellie was asked and he turned it down. So I stand corrected on that. Interesting. I would think from an agency standpoint, a marketing standpoint, I don't know if that's the wisest move, but... The Reds would probably like that attention, too. Hey, our hot young star is in the Ulmer and Derby. Speaking of baseball, we have the Major League Baseball draft coming up Sunday uh, on the relevancy sports calendar, Jake. I don't think this moves the needle very much, but there is a chance... Damon? And I guess probably second. He will finish second on this list. uh, Max Clark... The Franklin High School product, he will become the second highest Indiana High School drafted player in the history of this state. Straight from high school. We're not talking about in college. Bullington obviously was at Ball State. Uh, I think it was Pat Underwood out of Kokomo back in the 70s. Uh, He went number two overall. By all accounts, Max Clark is going to be a top five pick. I found this really interesting. Shout out to the Indy Star for having this. Jake, we've had 17 Indiana high schoolers go straight from high school to the Major League Baseball draft and be drafted in round one. So 17 high school products from prom straight to round one. Of those 17, three have made it to the majors. That's a, I mean, it. it is so random, man. 
Mike Piazza was drafted because like his dad knew Tommy Lasorda or something and he got somebody did somebody a favor and he was taken in like the 57th round. He's in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like there's just so it is so random. I, I think of all the drafts, baseball is the most random draft, right? I mean, oh, the number question. of players. I mean, it's well the high school. Then you got the three year college guys. You, you got a little bit of the international flavor as well. Uh, you know, are these high school guys going to sign for the signing bonus and come straight to the majors? Are they going to go to Vanderbilt? Are they going to go right. to their respective colleges? Uh, again, Indy started a great list. I I forgot about. Do you remember the name Trey Ball out of Newcastle about a decade ago, Jake? Number seven overall pick. I don't. Never made it out of double A. Yeah, I mean... Jared Parker, out of Norwell, he was the number 9 overall pick in 07. He's one of the few that's made it to the majors. Uh, but Tommy John, fractured elbow, and you know retired in 2018. I've asked several players, like when I've done interviews with players for the Indians, which step of the ladder is the closest to the previous step? And I think the thing that is the most psychologically challenging for players is a lot of them will tell you that the jump from AAA to the majors is actually the most minute. Like the jump from AA to AAA is really big. The jump from single A to AA is big. The jump from AAA to the majors is like right on the razor's edge. So you're right there. I mean, you, you literally are right there. And yet you're that close. Three of 17. Yeah, and we're talking first-round picks. Pat Underwood, by the way, four years with the Detroit Tigers, went 13-18 and 18 overall in his career. Yeah, number two pick out of Kokomo. Uh, we'll see where Max Clark fits. Outfielder, the thing I loved about him, and I, I don't know his story super well by any means, but Jake, this dude played high school football this past season. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I mean, imagine the signing bonus he's going to get here coming up on Sunday. Um, I saw something yesterday that he had an estimated bonus around 7 to $8 million on that end. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be uh, something to watch for on Sunday night, rounds one and two uh, for the Major League Baseball draft. And as long as now, it who goes, has the, the number one overall pick? Uh, the order is Pirates, Nationals, Tigers, Rangers, Twins. That is your top five. Which of those five, if you are about to be drafted, which of those five would you be like, let's go? I, I wouldn't mind living in Dallas, going to the Rangers. Yeah, that'd be okay. Uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C., Detroit, and Minneapolis. Now, again, I mean, Jake, you're living in the summertime, so it's not as bad. Like, Minneapolis is a cool summer city. And to be fair, you're probably several years away from even getting to those cities. Correct, yeah. Uh, Reds at number seven with Max Clark. So, again, by all accounts, outfielder, um, kind of a, do a little bit of everything. Uh, should be a top five pick coming up here. You're going to have your eyes more on the Reds at 7 or the A's at 6. How about the A's playing good ball right now? They are, man. Did they score 10 yesterday? I think they did go double digits, didn't they? Did I see the other day they scored 14? Don't look now, Mark. I know. They beat the White Sox 2 out of 3 over the weekend. My dad was not happy. He's he's like, what are they doing? Taking care of the uh, uh, Tigers right now. Yeah, second half team. Could be buyers of the deadline. The Oakland Athletics. Let me see here. Gosh. They have some long losing streaks this season. Uh, they've won four or five. Their only loss is an eight-seven loss to the White Sox. Uh, they're twenty-five and sixty-three. By the way, they're, I mean, that, now's the time when they turn up the wick, right? 
One thousand percent. One thousand. Can't get much dimmer than what it currently is. Can you imagine? Right like they went twelve bit. straight and they're still twenty six hundred five hundred. Scott Agnes going to join us coming up at eight thirty. I found a really interesting Obi Toppin stat that I want to share with our audience here a little bit later in the show. I think it would give you some hope uh, on his ability to potentially come here in a contract year with an expanded role. Uh, certainly grow into what a lot of people thought he would be coming out of Dayton. He should be a regular on this program, and we could call the segment Top in the Morning, right? You want to pitch that to his agent? Yeah. I I mean, this is the kind of marketing gold these people need to be jumping in on. They have access to this sort of thought process. Also, I saw some people comparing the Bruce Brown Jr. signing to... This is just simply like Austin Crozier cashing in on a deep playoff run in 2000. I don't know if that's the most flattering comparison in the world. We'll toss that to Jake coming up a little bit later in the show. All right, Scott Agnes again at 8.30. Talk Pacers Summer League. Katie Wingy at 9.40 to get more into Bruce Brown Jr. It is muggy. It is steamy. It is summer here in Indianapolis. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and Quarry on a Thursday. The Morning Checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Mark, just play it. Come on. I guess you did play it in the first Don't look now, but here come the red legs. 19 of 23. That is the run right now for the Reds. They beat the Nationals last night in resounding fashion. Ellie De La Cruz wasn't too pleased with the Nationals questioning. I think it was like a like a bat tracker on the end of his bat. Yeah, what, what exactly was it? It looked like a... I think something like take data from, I assume, like his swing, pitching. I mean, certainly probably an aid that he shouldn't have on the end of his bat. It just looked like a, a rubber cap. I would guess he probably had it on during batting practice and then just left it on there during his first at-bat. So that happened in the second inning. Davey Martinez, Nationals manager, not happy. De La Cruz comes out in the fifth, and what does he do? Hits a 455-foot homer. I mean, that thing was a blast, right? That was a missile. Total. Absolute missile. 9-2 over the Nats, 48-39 of the year. They have now won seven straight road series. Elsewhere yesterday, Major League Baseball, my A's are probably the second hottest team in the game with their <laughs> impressive run here. Uh, and did you guys see how the Cardinals lost? It was beautiful. Was that the greatest day in Reds history yesterday? Well, the Cubs won, but they beat the Brewers, so that helps the Reds, right? Was it 10 I'm trying to think of the score. 9-8, Mark. Was that right? I believe that's correct. Okay, 9-8. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jake, runners on first and second. Little dribbler back to the pitcher, and the Cardinals pitcher chucks it over the first baseman's head. I mean, when I say chuck it, there was a better chance this thing was hitting the roof. <laughs> I, I don't even know if there is a roof in Florida than it was hitting the first baseman. Runner from second scores to tie the game. Runner from first scores to win the game. And now you see why the Cardinals are... 16 games under 500. Let, let me ask you this. 35 and 51. That's I, remarkable. It is cra- I thought we would be at July and they would have resurrected things. Let me ask you this. Of the teams that played last night, okay, I'm going to list them all real quick. Now that the Reds are the hottest team in baseball, of these franchises, you tell me which one is the absolute most obscure. Like if a guy was wearing a hat of them, you'd go, really? You're a fan of that team? Uh, Giants, Mariners, Padres, Angels, Braves, Guardians, Rockies, Astros, Phillies, Rays, Yanks, Orioles, Rangers, Red Sox, Royals, Twins, A's, Tigers, Pirates, Dodgers, Mets, Diamondbacks, Cubs, Brewers, Reds, Nationals, Marlins, Cardinals. Like you just named the whole major say, league baseball. Name it was everybody that teams? played last night. I, I feel like I don't see much Royals gear. Yeah, Royals is what I was really? going to pick. Uh-huh. 
And I don't see much Rangers gear either. I would say the Marlins. I, does anybody like? I don't even I know think what, what people like their blue and green. Well, I mean, what are they wearing now? Are they doing the M? Are they doing the F? Are they doing the little Whoa, jumping watch fish? Those two letters together. <laughs> Mark, come on. Uh, moving on, the Indianapolis Indians did. They're get not a win. even the Florida Marlins anymore. Now, right? They're the last, Miami Marlins. Miami last Marlins. night over Memphis. Does the M stand for Miami or Marlins on the hat? I think Miami the M hat. Because they have sure. How do you know? I, I don't. Know. Uh, speaking of Minnesota, the Does the C fever, stand for Chicago or Cubs? I assume the C. Fever lost last night up in Minneapolis. That is now a five-game losing streak the for them. Is that for Pirates or Pittsburgh? Oh five and 12 on the year. Three games to go until the All-Star break. Aaliyah Boston did have 22, but 90-83 to the Minnesota Lynx last night. I think those are all good questions, are they not? Maybe for another segment, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying. You could say that it's clearly for the city, but then again, what about Oakland? They have an A on their hat. They're the A's, right? Mm-hmm. Could go either way. Do you have anything else in the checkdown? Did you mention Please the fever? No. I literally just mentioned the fever. Okay, sorry. I was busy looking at baseball hats. When we come back, again, a very interesting Obi Toppin stat to me. I think this will make Pacers fans pretty excited about what his potential could be here in an expanded role. I know we touched on it briefly yesterday, but I was looking a little bit closer at the Colts training camp schedule. We are less than three weeks away from training camp getting underway. And I think there's good news and bad news for Colts fans. We'll explain more coming up in the show. Scott Agnes at 8.30 Talk Pacers and Summer League. You're listening to Kevin and Corey right here on 93.5107.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm the fan. You know, the Phillies hat could be the P for Philadelphia or for Phillies. Dear Lord. Uh, uh, before we get to your Obi Toppin stat. I've got one more vacation, by the way, before training camp. <laughs> I think it might start tomorrow. Um, I've got a bunch of comp days to use up. That's what I'm doing. During, See you boys at Labor Day. D- during training camp. Uh, Jake, De La Cruz has a silicone plastic cover for a swing stat tracker. The tracker was not attached. He has used it for a while. David Bell said in the postgame presser that the cover was MLB approved, but the game umpires had no knowledge of it. That from David and Greenwood. You know, I, I love the fact that Ellie De La Cruz, and I had no idea um, that he had turned down that spot in the home run derby, but Jake, doesn't it seem like from a marketing standpoint that would be something that would be very wise for him to do? Yes and no. I, I mean, I don't disagree, but I guess to play devil's advocate, does he need more marketing right now? Well, it, obviously the hype is real, but Jake, there is still a, I would say, large section of the sport fan base that yeah, undoubtedly still right. is like, wait, what? Baseball? Oh yeah, the Reds are good. Yeah. Uh, what's the guy's name? He's got a couple names. Um. So yeah, he, he's not in the home run derby. They announced the lineup yesterday. Damon we, Damon Calden said that he turned it down because he wanted to be a team player and didn't want to mess up his swing, wait, which, which is understandable. Gosh, that's, I that's mean, kind I, of surprising from a rookie to say. As that. a Reds fan, you're salivating over that. Yeah. But I just think from an agency marketing standpoint, you'd want to tap into that a little bit more. And instead, we'll watch Pete Alonso bench press in the basement. Yeah, of I mean the that guy home run derby that, for I'm the so tired of that. Yeah, thirteenth uh-huh. straight year. Um, again, a moratorium for the NBA ends today. I believe it's at noon, so potentially we could get an announcement from the Pacers on Bruce Brown Jr. and Obi Toppin a little bit later today. What we know about Toppin is this. The deal is reportedly 
uh, for a couple of second-round picks. The Pacers will be getting top end. He's in a contract year, former top 10 pick. He was in that COVID draft, which, I mean, if you look at the Pacers roster, they now have guys, you know, Halliburton out of that COVID draft, uh, Neesmith, Jordan Wara, I think Jalen Smith was in that draft. And I, I find it interesting trying to kick the tires on those specific guys. And then in Toppin's case, you know, he was kind of stunted from a minute standpoint behind Julius Randle. I mean, Julius Randle, obviously an all-star with the Knicks, uh, him and Toppin, you know, them playing together, I don't think the Knicks felt like that ever was going to work. And so just purely from a minute standpoint, it was hard to consistently give him those minutes. Jake, I found this stat very interesting yesterday on Toppin. In his career, three NBA seasons, he has started 15 games, okay? So just 15 starts in three years. You look at his three-point percentage in games that he does not start. So the main role he has been with the Knicks, games that he comes off the bench, his three-point percentage is 30%. Not a good number. Not a good number for a modern-day kind of stretch for you know spacing purposes, all those things. The number when he starts... In 15 games, that 30% three-point number is 44%. Just to put that into perspective, let's look at the Pacers' three-point shooting numbers from last season. Matter of fact, the better if you were to shoot, if you were to look at Pacer three-point shooters by percentage, who are their top three last season? Buddy Heald, for Buddy example, got to be number one, right? Buddy Heald, for example, Jake, forty-two point five percent. Okay. So the number of attempts exponentially higher, obviously. So right? Buddy Heald was eight point five attempts per game. Boy, that's a ton. <laughs> he guns, I love it. Uh, I found the Toppin thing also interesting. In the same point, Jake, it's not like he's shooting one or two threes a game in these fifteen starts. He has ninety-one three-point attempts in the fifteen games. You can six do that game. math. <clears throat> six a game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's six a game. That's high volume. That I mean, is. That's, that's a lot of three-point attempts. And kind of hear me out on this. When Toppin has typically started games, they've been late in a season. You know, the Knicks are resting guys. They're resting, they're, you know, resting Julius Randle. Last year, he started a couple games against the Pacers, actually, in, in April. We know what the Pacers lineup looked like late in the year. But to me... It's one thing to kind of cherry pick and dominate against a bunch of G leaguers in the lane or at the rim. But to hit three point shots, I feel like just because the competition might not be what it normally is night in, night out in January and February, that doesn't mean that we just totally overlook that stat. And so now the question becomes why is his percentage so much higher when he starts? Is it because he's playing with a better point guard? Is it because he's more confident knowing that the leash is short or isn't as short on him and he's going to get, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night? The Pacers can offer a great point guard. They can offer more minutes. Will there be a more confident Obi Toppin, and will we see that three-point number be closer to the, I'm not expecting it to be 44%, but do we see that number be closer to that than the 30%? Because if it's high 30s or sniffing 40, this is a guy that can have a big-time impact for the Pacers, and with him being in a contract year, could obviously cash in on that. The, the other thing... That could come into play, Kevin, depending on, you know, as you mentioned, those starts. Let's let's take starts where, that he had in the flow of the regular season before things went awry, right? Or, you know, the late in the year starts like you're talking about if you remove those. And, and this is something that's going to benefit him, I think, here in Indiana. Not knowing the total depth of the Knicks roster, but 
in those games where he started, and you were talking about, you said in his starts, the number was lower, right? The three-point percentage was lower? No, no, no. Starts better. Okay. 44% in his 15 okay. starts, 30% in the all the other right. games he came off the So bench. in those games where he was starting, presumably he is on the floor with other players that require a greater defensive yes. responsibility from the opponent than, point. than Obi Toppin, right? And, and then presumably when he's coming off the bench for New York, he is more of a, a primary defensive focus for the opponent. For Indiana, here... Theoretically, if he is coming off the bench, he is still going to be on the floor for the most part, probably with a Benedict Matherin or, and I wouldn't say Aaron Neesmith is an electric offensive player, but he does have an outside shot you have to respect a little bit. Um, you know, for the Pacers, even like a, a war, a Jordan War, if he's on the floor with him, although those guys probably are going to share minutes. But there are other players that are going to force defenses. I, I think Indiana has some nice offensive pieces in their rotation coming off the bench that would help him in that regard. But oftentimes, Kevin, I think guys, especially lottery guys, you just kind of know in the first year or two, if a guy is taken in the lottery or he's taken in the top 10, this is this holds true in the NFL as well. You can just tell whether or not it's going to work out for that guy in stop number one. And if it doesn't, you kind of reach a point where you're too far gone and and you you can't capture that back. And so if that's the case, then sometimes they guys just need a change of scenery. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this guy now now this guy really blossomed. Now now we really see what kind of player he is. And you know why not kick the tires on that and when you're in this market I think you have to do creative ways to try and attract lottery talent and that's what the Pacers are doing here I mean the Aaron Neesmith point you bring up Jake Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum obviously beyond understandably so they you know are going to handle the bulk of the minutes and it was harder for Neesmith to kind of push for minutes there he comes here a little bit more of an expanded role I think last year he showed that he can you know be a pretty productive player in the NBA and certainly have a role. And I think at times, too, Toppin doesn't necessarily fall into this category because he played at Dayton for a while. But in Neesmith's case, he, he wasn't at Vanderbilt for very long. You also forget how young these guys are when they totally. do get drafted. I mean, Jairus Walker, again, is 19 years old. Uh, so I, I I found that Toppin stat to be interesting. We'll see how the starting lineup plays out, if he indeed will start. I think a lot of people feel like he will. will you know, Will Jairus Walker start? How does that play out? Uh, but I found that number to be rather significant, and I think there's enough context behind it of 15 games, six three-point attempts per game, to sit here and say, wow, if you give him a little bit more of an expanded role, could that become more of the norm? Uh, Scott Agnes is going to join us, by the way, 38 minutes from now. One of the things we'll discuss about the Summer League is that of Obi Toppin amongst other players and their role. Uh, last night, Kevin, I, I think yesterday is when it like was launched, essentially, but and I don't know what percentage of people are on like the social media of Twitter. I mean, I am. You are. I'm obsessed with it. They are fairly important platforms to what we do. The show we have a Twitter page, obviously. But now Twitter's had all these issues lately, and and then my understanding is that Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, those guys are going to fight, right? They're going. Now is that before the Greg Doyle fight? Isn't the Greg Doyle fight coming up? Remember that when he was plugging that with us? Is that the undercard? I don't know if that's the undercard of the main event. Greg's Greg would be the main event, right? Um, 
Zuckerberg has has launched Threads, which is an auxiliary of Facebook and Instagram, same company that Meta, the Facebook company, and it is very similar to Twitter. And theoretically, and so yesterday when it was launched, I'm like, do I need to open a, a Threads account in case Twitter just goes away? And I I wanted the simplicity of my name on the account, right? I wanted like a just Jake Query as a Threads account as opposed to there's another Jake Query that lives in Noblesville, for example, or somebody using that. And then I've got to go with, you know, Jake1075. You know, I, I didn't want to get into that. So... Oh, well, that's me. I'm K Bowen ten seven. Well, but I'm talking about just random digits. I, sure, bad example. But so yesterday I went to start a Threads account, having no idea necessarily what it was going to look like or what it is, and then to do that I had to open an Instagram account, which I never had. So I joined. I, I jumped into 2010 yesterday. This. Yeah, yeah. Um, Welcome. Yeah, I'm really excited this year. To I'm, I'm curious to see what Carl Anthony Towns does with John Calipari at Kentucky this year. It has um, surprised me you don't have an Instagram. Yeah, so I ha- I now have an Instagram because I had to open an Instagram in order to get. You're a visual guy. I think you would enjoy it. I know, but it's always just people's food. Oh, I, I don't well, just look at people's food. You can you can control your time more than that. You like? I mean, you could follow a hundred different cemeteries. Yeah, that's true. That, that's oh, there's a nice cool. headstone there from Montana. <laughs> and, um, oh my! The um, the Threads thing that I started. So it's Jake Query on both Instagram and on Threads. Just my first and last name are the account numbers. The Threads thing looks very much like Twitter, but this the, is a big but, by the way. The timeline is not just people that you follow. Yeah, huge issue there. It's like just these random, wait a minute, why am I seeing all of this stuff on here? Big no bueno in that regard. And correct me if I'm wrong, and I guess I can open it up right now, I'm not getting it in chronological order. Like, I just opened it up, and Woj was my first one. And this is from 10 hours ago. I have a feeling someone that I follow has posted something within the last 10 hours. And Dad Says Jokes, there's no way I follow that account. Well, that sounds like an account Jake would yeah, run. That's actually my burner. <laughs> so, I, yeah, it, it's got a long way to go. I also created one last night. I guess created is a bit of a loose term. All I did was just import all my stuff from Instagram over there. But I, I do think Twitter has gotten away from like DEFCON that it was 72 hours ago. I have not. I, I don't know if everyone else falls in the same boat. I haven't really had a Twitter issue in the last 48, 72 hours. Like I, I haven't hit that rate limit. And I would again, ag- I am obsessed with Twitter. I mean, I, I would agree with that, Kevin. But I nonstop, think, and I understand why this is. But Twitter to me has become too. There's too much junk mail. I don't like junk mail. Even on that following side, I know the for you side, but what about on the following? Well, side? Well, first off, on the following side, half literally half the time. Well, first off, there's some gal. Now I don't know who she is, and I don't know what I clicked. It's, it's probably my fault at some point. It's somehow, some way, and I think actually this happens in Twitter a lot. Where if you are, if your account is in a conversation, that then just you know, like six people are responding to something, and you're on there, and so you you know you're involved in that. That leads to like spam, 
or that leads to the junk mail or the the, the bot followers. There is some, and I'll give You're her credit. That girl does not want to take off her shirt when she DMs me and says that. Yeah, on, on the bot. Well, so hi Kevin, how are you this morning? Would there you like is to some see me account that like it has. It's clearly like a bot account. And it's got like probably 15,000 different account names to it, but it is the same woman. And it's a picture that's like, I mean, I don't, it's radio here. I want to be family friendly, but it's a risque account, right? Uh Trying to get you to click on the link of it. Sure. And like stuff like that has just absolutely infiltrated this, like my timeline. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't see it to the magnitude. I mean, I certainly get bots that are DMing me, and I guess occasionally they fall into the mentions. But I still feel like I've got a decent, if not full, control over the people that I follow and the people yeah, I mean, that show up in the following. I would say that's ninety percent true in my case. And, and again, I, I know there are negative stereotypes, understandably, with social media. And trust me, I lose sleep and i know i'm an idiot because she's three years old but i lose sleep thinking what social media is going to look like for rosie one day but i find it super informative really engaging uh i love it it's it's my it's my new source it's how i I would agree with that and create brands with people i mean jake it's it's how i have pseudo relationships with with a lot of our listeners that's what i mean i think it's important for what we do for a living for sure yeah so i hope and I get that there are reasons to have some red flags about it. I, I hope they can get some things figured out. And Elon and Zuckerberg, if they need to get in the ring, they can get in the ring. Yeah, remember when Greg Doyle came on and said he was going to do that boxing match and readers of the star could, if they were within 10 pounds in like 10 years of them, could fight him? <laughs> do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to have Greg back on. I fought him yesterday. To promote that fight. Uh, Colts training camp schedule less than three weeks away. I think there's some good and some bad with this year's training camp schedule. We'll explain more on the other side. Kevin and Quare here on a steamy Thursday. Kind of crazy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I think, uh, Jake, three weeks from today, we'll be talking about the first training camp practice of the Colts. Uh, Wednesday, July 26th, that will be a 10 a.m. practice time. So I'm guessing report day will then be the 25th. That would be a Tuesday. Uh, And the training camp schedule this year for the Colts is a little bit different than it's been in years past. I think there are some good things about it, and I think there are some, I guess, disappointing things from a fan attendance standpoint I'll throw in the caveat I've mentioned before again the Colts are one of a very few teams very few teams in the NFL that still go off site for their training camp and they also have free practices so that is a pretty strong gesture by them to continue to do that and it's great access Jake you've been up there I mean if you watch a practice at Grand Park you're closer than you will be at a high school football game correct to the crowd or to the um, to the field and everything. So last year they had 16 total open practices. This year that number is down to 13 open practices. So I think that's where the bad news is. You won't see them as often. Seven of those 13 are in the morning, which I know can kind of restrict a lot of people from a work schedule standpoint. Now the good news is this. You're going to get Three practices on the weekend, back-to-back Saturday night practices, 
That'll be the last week of July, so that'll be July 29th, and then the following Saturday, August 5th. You'll get two 6 p.m. practices on each of those Saturday nights, and then Sunday, August 6th, will be an open practice. So you'll have three weekend practices there, two at Saturday night, one on that Sunday afternoon, the 6th. And then probably the best part of the camp schedule, and Mark Dykton, I would assume, is a fan of this, the Bears joint practices, those will be at 6 p.m. at night. And that I part's looked, awesome. Yeah, and I looked up last year when the Lions came, the Fighting Dan Campbells, eating kneecaps, those practices were at noon. So you've gone from noon on a Wednesday, Thursday with the Lions to 6 p.m. on a Wednesday, Thursday with now, the Bears. I have a feeling those are going to be packed, and when tickets become available, I, I probably should look up if they are. Again, they are free tickets. Yes, they are. I've already got some reserves. So okay. yes, they are available. So they are available, and they're free, correct, Mark? But yes. you have to have one. You have to have them. To get yeah, in the building there. Um, those are going to be some jam-packed night practices. Again, August 16th and 17th. Uh, I'm looking on their website right now. Mark, did you get the Wednesday practice? I got Wednesday and Thursday. Boy, it looks right, like Wednesday. you, hoarder. looks like Wednesday's already done. I double-dipped. Or maybe the, those are just theme days. But yeah, head to their website, colts.com, events slash training camp. Uh, good news, you get the night practices, you get more weekend practices. Bad news, uh, they have three less practices than they did last year. How many teams do training camp in their facility now and don't even go anywhere? So I'll, I'll try and look it up. I believe it's got to be, I would say, six or less go off-site. Really? The Cowboys still do, right? The Cowboys still do, correct. Uh, I'm scrolling through it right now. The Bills go to St. John Fisher University, so that's in Rochester. That is, Doesn't that fit the Bills? That they still go off-site like that? Absolutely <laughs> yeah. love that. The Panthers go to Wofford College. Mark, the Bears are at their facility now. Uh-huh. They used to be, obviously. Just to clarify, by the way, there are tickets available for Wednesday, Thursday. I just put in like 30 tickets for the Wednesday practice, and you can get them. You just have to click on the Find Tickets, and then you can put your allotment in there. And just click next. Okay, so is there not a limit? I don't believe so. Okay. Bills, Panthers. I mean, when they're at capacity, they're at capacity. They're not going to allow you to go in. Cowboys but. is in Oxford, Jake. To your point. And boy, I mean, I'm scrolling through this again. The Colts are in Grand Park. The Chiefs go to Missouri Western University. There's not many. I wonder where Missouri Western is. It's on the western side of Missouri. Oh, thank you for that. St. Joseph, Missouri. East. Okay, St. Joe, Missouri is suburban Kansas City, so that's not too far. And again, some of these teams, and like to be fair to the Colts, obviously it's Westfield, Indiana. I mean, there's a part of me, Jake, that says, boy, it's a bummer that Rose Holman and Anderson University no longer has it. Those are obviously pockets and sections of the state that don't readily get to see the Colts. I totally get why they are at Grand Park and... You know, I, I part of me does wish they could reach you know some sections of the state that don't get to see them on a frequent basis, and not be in the most what affluent county probably in the state from a per capita right. standpoint. Right. Uh, but still, I think it's awesome that they're able to do this and that they continue to do it. Um, and they're one of just a few NFL teams that still go offsite. By the way, is Grand Park for sale still, or did that was that sold? I think it is still for sale. Yeah. Interesting. We're at year five, by the way, of a 10-year contract with the Colts at Grand Park. So I think this is something that 
is going to be the norm for the Colts here for the next handful of years. But Shane Steichen, a little bit more of a morning practice guy. Last year, Frank Reich tried to do the uh, let's match up circadian rhythms and let's practice at 1 o'clock. And Jake, don't think that worked out well. Yeah, it did not... Um... Does it really matter what time? I, I guess it does. I mean, there's probably some sort of science technology behind it. I, You know, like I said, I still, and I'm not saying that I'm in favor of this, uh, but I still think of NFL training camp as millionaires showing up carrying a pillow and a set of headsets because they're moving into a dorm where they're going to be living for the next seven weeks. Smith Hall at Anderson University. I was there for several years. Now, did they literally live in dorms just like college kids did? Yeah, so the Colts were, I forget what exactly the dorm name was of their dorm at Anderson, uh, but staff was in Smith Hall, and yeah, players were in a different dorm. I think it was just those two dorms, if I'm not mistaken, and then you walked across, honestly, there was a cemetery on campus, Jake, I don't know if you've ever been, you would love it. Uh, Right across the street from the cemetery was the um, dining hall. And then you had meeting rooms. Was and- it depressing? Because uh, here, here's why I say that, okay? No, I, I would say I'm no, get, but go ahead and explain. I'm going to get overly Freudian here. I think for a lot of people, a college dormitory, the tile floor, the two beds in the wall, the two desks with wooden chairs. When I was a freshman in college, I immediately moved into... A fraternity house i had like been so chosen a fraternity in my senior year of high school and moved in right away which was and my dad was totally opposed to that and my dad was 100 percent right but somehow or another I, I won out and my parents let me learn that lesson on my own i should have moved into the dorms but i ended up still living in a dorm for part of college but i also went to basketball camp as a kid at taylor university where we stayed in the dorms and so I, I I still experienced that like kind of uneasy awkwardness of being away from home, being a little bit homesick, just a, a totally kind of an uncomfortable, like that's what the dorm visually and like just the, everything about it still reminds me of. When I walk into a dorm, it is admittedly the thought of walking in totally out of your comfort zone and, and trying to make the best of a situation that nobody in particular, that that's where they want to be living. And so I wonder like, if that's, from an NFL training camp standpoint, I always felt like it was fascinating to see guys that were making millions of dollars, but they were being relegated and stripped down to that exact sensation and feeling that you feel the second you walk into one and you're just a little bit uncomfortable and you have to make the best of it with the people around you, which is probably the purpose and the point, right? Yeah, I, I think to be fair, these dorms are a little bit more souped up I, I, than I the ones it. in Lawrence, Kansas. No, I don't. I mean, are they like were the ones at Rose Holman or at Anderson? I, I, I think. You're I mean, getting, I get for the players they are a king bed, and and obviously from an eating standpoint, you're not like okay, what's my meal point situation right. here? Uh, there's some video. But I'm game, just saying, walking you know, into the building itself, yeah, you know what I, I mean? It just. I think it's I mean, not. Look, it's not the Conrad. Is what I'm getting at. Knowing that you're there for three weeks. 
and there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you go see your family every fourth night, that probably helps you out as well. And if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken now, I believe they stay at that hotel across the street from Grand Park. I forget what it's called. So they don't stay at their house. I think I, I'd have to double check uh, Not all check players that. have moved here, obviously. Right. I, I'd have to double check that. But I, I think some, you know, you're allowed to go home some nights. Again, you're only practicing 13 times. So it's not like you are, if you look at the schedule, really, that second week, that would be the first, or I guess it's the week of July 31st. That is the big week of training camp. So if you're looking to go out there and you're looking to find as many days as possible, that week of July 31st, uh, the Colts practice Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, off on Friday. They practice Saturday, Sunday. If you want to watch them at all, any of those other weeks, there's really only two, maybe three practices a week around that. So something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think we've gotten a chance to go over this list, Jake, but it's kind of a long one. There was a lot of guys with the state of Indiana ties join new teams in free agency. And I would think the one that hails from 86th Street has got to be pretty happy about his landing spot. You see where Eric Gordon ended up? He's in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Phoenix is loaded, man. Don't you feel like that's like an ideal fit for him to just dominate the second unit? Yeah, just, score, score, score. Just sit out and hang on the three-point circle like he did in Bloomington, right? Be with Frank Vogel after f- 15 years in the league for Eric Gordon, by the way. Does that make you feel old? Yeah. I mean, I remember when he was... Hell, I remember when Jason Gardner was a freshman, let alone Eric Gordon, right? Uh, Desmond Bain, of course, a huge contract extension with the Grizzlies. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton-like for the Richmond, Indiana product who played at TCU. A couple of other state of Indiana... Notes, Trey Lyles re-signs at the Kings. Two-year, $16 million. That's a nice payday for Trey that Lyles. Is, that Deserved. is. Um, Thomas Bryant to the Heat. Really? So Cody Zeller, don't think that project worked out very well. Uh, two years, $5.4 million for Thomas Bryant. Zeller is with the Pelicans. One year, $3.1 million. So Cody Zeller got replaced by Thomas Bryant. Correct. And Victor Oladipo picked up his option, right? Well, was, he was traded to the Thunder, correct? I th- you know what? Now that you mention it, that's yeah. But he had a player option though on a contract that he obviously picked up because I mean he you know his from a health standpoint, he didn't want to turn that down and go into free agency. It sounded a bit like a you know kind of like a salary dump sort of situation, right? Yeah, I mean you got to wonder how much longer. Ol- and, from a health standpoint, crazy as it sounds, you got to wonder how much longer Oladipo is going to be in the league, right? Uh, this from Woj, Oklahoma City is going to be receiving draft compensation from Miami and absorbing Oladipo's $9.45 million contract that allows Miami to create a trade exception of $9.45 million in the deal. So he goes back to Oak City. I you feel for him because Oladipo is the classic example of a guy that gambled on himself and got really bad advice and listened to the wrong people and lost. And you never know. Don't you think the All-NBA year was kind of fluky, though, here? Or was he really an All-NBA player? I, I, I don't think he was. Not on an annual basis. Every ball bounced his way and every shot went in. You know what I mean? It was like it was... Just hard to maintain that athleticism at a six-four streaky shooter for deep into your late twenties, early thirties. It's hard to argue that. I, I just, but he Russell Westbrook's the outlier and all that. Oladipo, when he was here, 
was a really, really good player and at times a great player, obviously, a franchise player. And he was a really popular guy in Bloomington. I mean, I think both as a player and just as a person in general. And I I think he is the classic example. If I were an NBA agent or if I were an NBA franchise, I would play the Victor Oladipo movie for every player entering the league and be like, this is what happens when you start listening to the wrong people that pump you up and tell you how great you are and pretend to have your best interest in mind and give you terrible advice. And when your own family is saying like, um, you should probably distance from this like managerial group that's telling you that you are a combination of Michael Jordan and Luther Vandross and not to listen to anybody and to go rehab in Miami when your team is in the playoffs and when the franchise asks you to come back to be with your team in the playoffs on the bench from a supportive visual standpoint and you miss your flight and you end up coming on the last day of the season like, hey guys, good to see you. And you're doing other events and literally every person that's been along the way with you is telling you to get rid of the influence of people in your ear and you tell them, no, 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 this person's got my best interest at heart. And the next thing you know, you're back in Oklahoma City. The, the injuries are not his fault. I mean, you, you can't – and that's a big, big, big part of where he is. But he had opportunity to cash in and took a bad gamble. You know, uh, Halliburton's agent's an IU guy. Is it really? Yeah. Young dude. He was a year older than me at IU. <laughs> well – <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? You said he's a year older or a year, young, a year younger than you at IU. The dude just signed a $260 million deal for his client and takes well, 7%. Yeah, he, he, he's like, a young dude. I mean, when you consider NBA agent age, I would think I, a no, that is. 34 and year I'm just old saying, is, like, th- then you think about it and you're like, wait a minute. And I, I put myself in the same category as you here, Kevin, so don't take it that way. But you're like, oh, are you saying that our paychecks don't look like exactly. that? Exactly. I'm like, this guy just brokered a, let's see. $260 million deal, right? That's if, if everything goes as planned. And he's going to get, what, 7%? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, he just, Something like that. He just made $18 million. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, is that not what we get here on the 10th coming up? <laughs> Do we get paid on the 10th? Do we know? <laughs> Do we get paid on that or, or, or on Friday? We're not sure when we get paid. Jake, I know each person's college experience is unique and not necessarily you know the, the norm, but this is how I look at dorm life. Pat says this, dorms equals freedom. As much as the players love their family, I'm sure they're pumped to have no responsibilities besides their job. Okay. I love dorm life. Now, granted, I had a co-ed floor, so, I mean... But what I'm saying is that... Do you not... Rem- not maybe, like. maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm weird. Like, I just remember the first... Like, there are certain things. Like, when I walk into an elementary school, I can still smell and feel that sensation of the first day of elementary school. Or the last day. And when I walk into a dorm... I can still feel just that, that, again, I'm not saying it's not an excitement, but like just that the unknown, I can feel the unknown of like, man, like I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm not with my guys. Maybe I was unique because I had such a, such a special tight group in high school. And then when we went to college and I went 500 miles away from home, it just was a totally different experience for me. 
but it was like, man, this is not the coddled comfort zone that I'm used to. And and I think dorms are somewhat, I mean, for the college student, I'm not talking about for an NFL player. I think they're designed from a college student standpoint to not be the four seasons, right? We've got moratorium for the Pacers, in, or for the NBA, I should say, ending today at noon. That means we could get some public comments from the Pacers in regards to Bruce Brown Jr. and Obi Toppin here shortly. One thing I want to ask Scott Agnes when he joins us here in about five minutes, where is this Chris Duarte trade? Like I, I think we're still waiting, and I don't know, maybe it will take till the moratorium before you get an announcement, but I have seen very little to no details on exactly what this trade entails. So we'll throw that question Scott's way coming up here. In a few before that, morning checkdown time. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Don't look now, but here come the red legs. Last night, Ellie De La Cruz stepped into the batter's box. The Washington Nationals had issue with uh, basically a piece of telemetry covering on his bat. They looked at it. The umps were like, oh, wait a minute, that is approved. And then De La Cruz, the next at bat, hit a home run. He and Joey Votto both hitting home runs last night for, actually Will Benson hit one too for the Reds. 9-2 last night. Reds win over the Washington Nationals. They have won four straight games. They remain in first place in the National League Central because Mark's Chicago Cubs did them the favor by beating the Brewers last night 4-3. Other winners, the Marlins in brutal fashion, as you had talked about earlier, Kevin. Over the Cardinals, 10-9. Cute fella over the Yankees, 6-3. Athletics over the Tigers, 12-3. And the Mets over the Arizona Diamondbacks, 2 to 1 in the race for PBR. Memphis uh, Redbirds 3 or 4 1. 4 to 1 Memphis over the Indianapolis Indians. Uh, last night up in Minnesota, the Fever lose to the Lynx. I think it was 90 83. Aaliyah Boston did have 22 in that one. Uh, but nice start to the season for the Fever. Some pretty competitive games. Uh, lately, they've not been able to get over the hump at all. They've lost five straight. Three games to go until the All Star break coming up for the Fever. Uh, Jake, I did want to mention Summer League action. Jalen Hood Shafino had a nice night. Uh, for the Lakers. They're getting a head start on Summer League. Some teams do play a little bit earlier than the normal Vegas schedule we're used to. 20 points on 8 of 17 shooting for him. We'll see about Trey Jackson Davis when he makes his debut. He injured his hamstring earlier this week. Um, he did sign. Adrian Wojnarowski had this yesterday. A four-year deal. Two years guaranteed. And Jake, for second-round picks, that is a very healthy contract. It is. And again, it, it is coincidence, but it is funny that his agent is Mike Dunleavy's brother, and Mike Dunleavy is the general manager that signed it for Golden State. Convenient, right? Yeah, that sounds like a little travel baseball. <laughs> it kind of does, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, DMP CD for Trace uh, Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino could be playing coming up on Friday night against each other. Lakers Warriors. That will follow Victor Webinyama against Brandon Miller. I think that's a nine o'clock tip. Webinyama's Vegas debut. The Pacers will get underway at eight o'clock on Saturday. It'll be every other night for the Pacers out in Vegas. So you're looking at a Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. Pretty much all of those tip times are in the evening, primarily on NBA TV. But I do think Saturday's contest is on ESPN 2 at 8 o'clock if you're looking to check that out. What's Webb and Miyama scoring his debut in Summer League? I'm going with 11. Mark? Did, 15. Did you guys see the over-under on him for uh, his point total as a rookie? For his average or for yes, the total? for his average. Uh, 17 over-under. Mark? 19.5. 17 and a half. I should work in Vegas. Uh, you're... Um, I'll go with uh, I'll go with 18 for him in his debut. Okay. Oh, do they really need to see him play a lot? That's the thing. Yeah. See, 
Now you're thinking like the Keister here. You know, you, with thoughts like that, you would think you're a chronic gambler, <laughs> and I'm not like at all. To be honest with you, I know you're. you're you know you, what I mean? You are you the bet- one that's most recently sent like a bet win on our group chat. Yeah, I had. Look I didn't realize how the log snapper for the Eagles could win the Super Bowl MVP. It was the Athletics. I oh, had, that was it. Yeah, I had like. A, I mean, it was a nominal amount, and I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, here we go. I'll put this on the Oakland Athletics tonight, and they beat. Mark's dad's White Sox. Mm-hmm. Winner, winner, chicken dinner on that front. Uh, speaking of Vegas, Scott Agnes joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Riding to Vegas? Is that where you're going with here, Mark Dyson? Uh-huh, yep. Uh, Vegas Summer and Nelly League. just si- uh, sold his whole catalog for a bunch of money. For how much? How really? Much? I don't know. I was working in St. Louis when he broke through, and that's his. Did you have town. the Band-Aid under the eye, Jake? I did. Like Nelly, Country Grammar, I, I believe, was his album, the, the first one that came out. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like that was constantly being that. And Jim Edmonds was a fan of Limp Biscuit. So oh sure, suffocation, <laughs> no breathing. <laughs> what? Is that Limp Biscuit? That is not Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Who, who's that? That's Papa Roach. Papa Roach. Wow. Oh my Don't they kind of look alike? Look no, look Kevin. <laughs> I'm going to guess Scott Agnes was a Nelly fan. You're breaking my new metal heart right now. Scott Agnes, did you uh, crank a little country grammar back in the day? <laughs> I did, for sure, yeah. And Cruz is what kind of got me into uh, country music. I forgot about Florida Cruise. Georgia Line. Yeah, it was Nelly yeah. and Florida Georgia Line on that end. Um What's up with Chris Duarte in that trade? Do we, do we know any details on this, Scott? I'm very confused. We haven't heard anything. Yeah, KB, this has been one of my biggest frustrations for the last week. I mean, I sent out three text messages last night, called agents, called team executives. Nobody wants to say anything about what is or was is not happening with or without Chris Duarte here. And I think it's really concerning to all of us, media and fans alike, of what his current status is. Um, because it was just weird, right? It was the kind of a, a nugget dropped by Shams, which presumably well done, saying, hey, they're nearing the deal, and then nobody has added to it since then. Um, I think the the general thought here is, yeah, no, Chris will not be with the team next year, um, but is it this deal or is it something else? I, I, I don't have anything else to add right now, unfortunately. Well, here's the thing, Scott. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Is there, that, that's <laughs> okay, okay, yes, got it. That's okay. So $50 million <laughs> Nelly got, by the way, for his catalog. $50 million. Not, not bad wow. c- until you consider that Bruce Springsteen got like $600 million. Or you look um, at Bruce Brown's contract. The, the two players that they're getting here, well, we'll go with Obi Toppin, okay? That was reportedly for two second-round picks, correct? Yes, two second now, round picks. Yeah. Isn't that what reportedly they were getting? I'm not saying the same two, but wasn't the report that Chris Duarte was going to Sacramento for second round picks? Uh, all that was said was draft compensation. So my question is: Very is big. it is it possible that the reason Indiana has not confirmed the Duarte move is because? Those are the two pieces that are going to New York for Toppin, and they can't confirm any of that until noon today. Well, officially, yes, but like nobody even wants to talk about it or 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 discuss what is or what did not happen, that type of thing. And that stuff can ha- happen privately. Or Everything yeah, gets leaked. What you just said is correct, you know, that type of thing. And there's none of that right now. So we'll, we'll, work, we'll keep working. 
Now, Scott, in terms of free agents, and we'll talk about the Pacers and the Summer League roster here in a second, because but we've done a lot of that this morning. Uh, you got a pretty interesting article that just went up about a guy with a Pacers background and a Pacers history who is a free agent that is himself trying to get back into the league, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. I appreciate that, Jake. Yeah, I had a long conversation with Glenn Robinson the third from Gary, Indiana, played for the Pacers for three years, and and really started to make some hay here with the Pacers and then had a, a bad injury that occurred in training camp. Of, um, it was first significant injury of his career and it cost him most of the season. And then he bounced around two or three different places, but he's been away from the league for the last uh, couple of years. Um, in large part, one of the big things he's dealing with or was uh, Jake was the court system trying to get, you know, full rights to his daughter and such. Um, and that, that was something that really bothered him and took him a while to kind of straighten out. He went to Harvard Business School uh, through a program with the NBA uh, and thought he did well there. But uh, he's just 29, wants to play at least a few more years. So uh, just posted that story on FieldhouseFiles.com this morning. Scott, do you believe, and we'll use Glenn Robinson III as an example, 29, you're right. I mean, in, in generic terms, that should be the prime of an NBA player. But the NBA is so unique in the fact that you're talking about the greatest athletes in the world, in my opinion, and probably in any sport other than maybe track and field. But how long can you be out of it, regardless of how skilled you are? How long can you be out of the game, unless you're Michael Jordan and you're hitting curveballs for a year and then you come back? And even then it took him a while, to be honest, to get back to the level. But do you think a guy can can sit out? What's the amount of time that dust can can set in before you can and you can still be able to play? Yeah, no, that's a fair question because I mean this was a lot. This was too, by the way, right when COVID happened. So that was that certainly played a part in this. But um, if you're if you're getting the reps in. I, I think it's a, it's a lot more reasonable. It's, it's difficult if you're just sitting out and haven't done anything and maybe just going for a run or a swimming lane, you know, let's say every six months. Because the, the conditioning level, like we're talking to these guys after each of these summer league practices, and among the things they're mentioning are the conditioning level. We heard Gennaro Pargo talk about Isaiah Jackson after his first couple of years would get winded after a five-minute stint. And now that in his third year now with the Pacers going into it, he can finally sustain it and, and not be getting that foul trouble hopefully as much and stuff. And that's just the conditioning level for a guy who has been in it the last couple of years. So you're right. That, that would be an obvious concern. Um, also kind of just how the game has evolved more. Um, but I will say right now, if you can knock down 40% of your threes, can kind of defend and have that athletic ability – there's going to be a spot for you. The trouble is, they'll probably teams are much more likely to invest in say a 19, 20, 21 year old than they are a 29 or 30 year old to do a similar job. Scott Agnes Fieldhouse Files with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, did um, Ronald Norad want to leave Indiana? Like, is this a promotion he's getting with the Hawks, or how did that go down? And then the other question <laughs> I would ha- have off of that is uh, any interest in trying to bring Dan Burke back? Um, I, I saw the Pacers hire Jim Boylan, who obviously has some you know, strong history in the NBA, but was curious about NORAD's decision and uh, any interest in Dan Burke back. Yeah, no, you're asking all the good questions that we don't have complete answers of just yet. I'm hoping to talk with 
Ronald here in the next couple of days while out at Vegas. Um, that that too is a little bit bizarre, KB, in the fact that. So I heard about it. You know, heard you know office cleaned out. Like check on this, and his phone was disconnected, and he's off social media. And so I haven't had a chance to talk with Ronald just yet. Um, I do know, just in talking with him many times, is he's super motivated to become a head coach, to take that next step. Um, but I, I think he was very happy here. I think they were happy with the job here. Um, in, a, in his new gig with the Atlanta Hawks, it's not even yet finalized. Um when, when Rick mentioned that, that has not yet been finalized. So we don't know what the official capacity is there. So I, I don't think he was necessarily looking to leave. Maybe he was looking for more responsibility, perhaps. I don't know that for sure. He was mostly the defensive coordinator, essentially, um, and, and worked a lot with players, especially the point guards, including Tyrese Halliburton, uh, before every single game. So that's that's notable when it's your franchise guy. And then in terms of DB, I, I don't think anything really happened there. Um, Rick already had Jim Boylan on staff as kind of a coaching consultant who was around um, during an entire training camp, during a lot of practices, and then whenever he was not coaching the Team USA World Qualifying Team. So it was kind of an obvious internal hire. And also, what is Boylan known for, by the way? Defense. Although, uh, Rick Carlisle noted this week in the couple minutes he spoke with us that he's seriously considering getting away from kind of a coordinator system and kind of handling it by committee, both the offense, defense, all those sorts of things. Um, I don't believe there was any anything... Um, any extensive conversations with with Dan Burke or, or anything like that, um, because he's already up, he was quickly off to Detroit with Monty Williams, who, who has the same agent as him. So I think that was kind of an obvious fit, easy fit. And and one thing I could tell you about DB in his per, per, uh, previous situation is that was just a headache, like the constant drama, um, even off the court, and the guys wanting trade demands. He just wants to coach basketball. He just wants like to be in it for all those right reasons. And now with Detroit, so much young talent, I think that's where his focus can be. So I, I think he'll be happy with this new gig. I know we're still a little early in this, and it's a great problem to have, but Jake and I did the exercise yesterday, Scott, of, all right, let's play out a potential starting lineup for the Pacers. There's a lot of different, I think, options you can um, come up with, not only starting lineup-wise, but what that second unit could look like. I'm probably more of a pro-Buddy Heald starter than, I, I don't know, maybe most. I, I think you've been a little bit more vocal about Andrew Nemhard as a starter. Walk me through your thought process there. I assume a lot of it is defensive-minded. And then, I guess, do you think the Pacers look at it and say, yeah, w- we want a little bit more defense first with Nemhard in the starting lineup. We're good with Buddy coming off the bench. Yeah, but and I feel like, KB, those things have changed even in that week probably or two since that conversation now with Bruce Brown. Because I'm not sure how you could bring your, your top paid player off the bench, right? And so I think that might be reshuffles things. So where I am right now with this current group, I'm, I'm envisioning a Halliburton, Brown, Matherin, um, probably Toppin, but I think that's to be determined, assuming that goes through and everything. And then. Is there uh, enough shooting with that group? Yeah, that would be the utmost concern. You're right. You, you do need, you would wonder about having a shooter out there brown is absolutely that he's a he's a knockdown shooter um that's one of the reasons you're bringing him in there is for that and intangibles off the bench but 
I don't, I don't know. That that was my kind of first thought with that starting group after adding those couple of pieces that would allow for Jairus Walker to ease into things, not be so overwhelmed maybe to start games and could play off the bench generally against second unit type guys in his rookie year. Um, there's, they've talked so much about how much they love uh, his defensive versatility and what he's been able to do at that end of the floor. Um, but, no, you, you raise valid points here is, you keep healed with that starting unit. You keep that familiarity with Tyrese Halliburton. You keep that the shooting, um, and, and then you can kind of have Andrew Nemhard run that second unit with a toughness group, right? With Nemhard, with uh, with Bruce Brown and others, um, and then who knows about the backup center at this point? There's three options, and I think that's part of the roster clarity that I think this franchise still needs um, to clear that up a little bit and clear roster spots. Scott, let's say Indiana's got a critical matchup against, I don't know, we'll say the Miami Heat, okay? Who guards Jimmy Butler? Or whoever is the, you know, I mean, if they're taking on, I guess it depends position by position, but most teams' best offensive player is going to be a two or a three. Indiana's designed, this this is our weapon lockdown guy is going to be who? Andrew Nemhard still, I think. I think Nem- right now, I would say your top defenders are still probably Nemhard and Neesmith out on the wing. Um, we we saw Nemhard stretch himself even a little bit last season in terms of you know one night he was guarding maybe Steph Curry and the next night he was guarding LeBron James. Uh, you know a one to a four or five here. It's not ideal, but I think that's where they are still currently at. Because Bruce Brown comes in, he's only six four, so it's not like he's in a, a six eight edition uh, that they've desperately needed. And Scott Agnes is with us here from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, what else could the Pacers do? I mean, they still have cap space. They've got two first round picks coming up in twenty twenty four. It seems like the NBA is kind of on this holding pattern of all right, let's wait till Damian Lillard, let's maybe wait till the James Harden thing plays out. But it, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, if the Pacers want to, they could do something else. I, I don't sit here and look at some glaring thing they need to do, but they do have the ability to maneuver if they would like. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, and that's well, one thing we do know is, uh, you know, assuming this, this OB Toppin deal, and, and players are already talking about that one, um, but they, they would have to clear a roster spot here after signing their two first-round picks, um, soon signing Bruce Brown and then adding OB Toppin. That would put them one over uh, roster spots. So we, we should get some clarity, hopefully, at least on that situation here shortly. Outside of that, I think the next move, um, would hopefully entail uh, some of the bigs with Jalen, with with Isaiah, and with Daniel Tice. Um, because, you know, I don't think we all need to go through that mess uh, again, right, where it's who's playing the backup minutes and, you know, they play one night and then not the next. Um, and then if there's uh, – the other thing I still would love to see is kind of that 6-7 wing defender. Um, but here, you know, a week into free agency, you're probably talking about – uh, maybe a veteran that's still trying to latch on somewhere, or you're talking about a young guy who's still very raw and and needs some more development. But those are kind of the two positions, two two transactions of need that I could see in their future. Daniel Tice to me is so interesting because Scott, it feels like if Daniel Tice was in an airport and somebody says, "Do you play in the NBA?" and he goes, "Yeah, I do," and they say, "Who do you play for?" It almost feels like his answer would be like, "You know, I'm not sure, actually." <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I thought when he was acquired, and I got mocked for this, maybe rightly. I really thought when he was acquired, 
that they were going to give him plenty of opportunity to be kind of their their goon, if you will. You know what I mean? Like their their enforcer. That was something I, I thought this roster lacked was just like that, like a dog mentality of don't mess with Ty Halliburton because you got to go through me. You know that kind of thing. I thought it was going to be him. And, and be it injuries or opportunity, it just felt like it never fully meshed. And now he's the one that you're like, oh, I forgot he's there. Do they see it that way? Yeah, the, th- the thing with Daniel here is I feel like he doesn't fit their timeline, right? So he's 31, so he's a little bit older. He's entirely in a championship mentality, both in terms of you know playing for – Germany, his home country, the summer, which he plans to do, um, or with an NBA team here coming up this next season. He got off to a little bit of a slow start, and I think this was part of the reason um, that contributed to all those things you said with the Pacers, too, was you know he wasn't there in training camp playing. He didn't play in a preseason game. He really didn't contribute till after the new year, after he had this special surgery that you know addressed ongoing uh, swelling and pain that he had and finally got rid of that. But then when he came back, uh, you know, by then Tyrese had been out. The team had already kind of pivoted to say, all right, let's start thinking about next year. So he came back, proved that he was healthy, and then they told him, hey, yeah, we're going to shut you down. We want, we want to get the younger guys an opportunity here. So he got kind of a false start there in that he played for a week and then was basically shut down. I, I commend him for being a pro, still wanting to travel with the team, if you noticed at the end of the bench, he still had his warm-ups on every game. I'm not sure he had a uniform underneath, but he wanted to sit right. there with his teammates, help in the way he can, um, and, he, and he always wore his warm-ups, even though full well knowing he wasn't going to play tonight. Was, so, he, he, was he commando? He wasn't commando, right? Jake, that's unnecessary. Well, I, I mean, that's, that's what seems, sounds like it's being inferred. Jeez. I'm just saying. God, I'm sorry for these types of questions. I get what you're saying, Scott. Is Boomer Commando under that outfit? <laughs> See now what now? So I'm the bad guy here, right? Well, I mean, I think Boomer and Daniel Tice are in two different categories here. Nothing against Daniel Tice on that end. Uh, Scott, last one for me. Are you Vegas bound? I will be tomorrow. Nice. We got, we're, we're expecting some uh, some official signings here today, later this afternoon. After, as you said, 12:01 p.m. Um, but then off to Vegas for a week starting tomorrow. So I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up for that one. It's always my favorite event of the year. Pretty much every other night starting Saturday, the Pacers will be in action. Look for Scott's coverage. Again, his latest on Glenn Robinson the third. Uh, pretty interesting story there on a potential comeback for the former. Lake Central, is that right? Is that where he went to high school? I think that's right. Lake Central. Yeah. Lake Central before his Michigan days. Scott, great stuff, man. Safe travels. Obviously, due to time constraints, we won't be talking to you next week because you'll be out till the wee hours of the morning out in Vegas, if I know you correctly. Oh, yeah. Uh, so enjoy that, <laughs> and uh, we'll be looking for your coverage from out there. Yep. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Scott Agnes, right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, I was, and again, the moratorium, as Scott points out, ends at noon today. So look for announcements on Obi Toppin, Bruce Brown Jr. this afternoon. I was talking yesterday with Tony East, and he mentioned something that I know we're maybe looking a little bit too far ahead, but it's worth remembering. If you look at the Pacers' kind of cap situation right now, I think the number Tony threw out there was they could have north of $50 million available in cap space next year. Unbelievable. Next offseason. I mean, and, when you consider that they just they're getting ready to enter into the Halliburton right, and that starts max, next year. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. And I kind of point that out to say, you know, is that the time where you make? 
find a little bit more of that bigger fish. You know, I've brought this up before, but and Tony said this to me yesterday. I thought it was really interesting to point out. You know, what is one of the more popular teams we hear with Damian Lillard right now? It's the Heat. He has talked about his Team USA relationship with Bam Adebayo being a factor in this. Well, Tyrese Halliburton's going to get a Team USA experience later this year on a World Cup team. And so, you know, Who's maybe... He getting in the ear of? Say it again? Who is he getting in the ear of? Right. Yeah. And again, it's not a dream team roster, but there are certainly some names that will be playing in the World Cup with Tyrese Halliburton that we'll see how the next you know summer plays out. But I think it's something did you worth ever remembering. See, Kevin, did you ever see the movie Hoop Dreams, the documentary Hoop Dreams? Uh, no, it's okay. not ringing a bell. There's a, there's a scene in Hoop Dreams, which is a fabulous documentary. I was listening to my Limp Biscuit album. <laughs> or Papa Roach, we don't know which one. There was rolling, a scene rolling, in Hoop rolling. Dreams that I thought opened up the window to the future of basketball. And we are now seeing it on the regular. And I'll explain what I'm talking about when we come back. Kevin Aquari next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Is my mic on? Yeah. The light is not popping up. Um, is this Papa Roach? No. Just Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's going to be the rest Something of the show's quiz. Of no, no that, that's Papa Roach. They're all in the same vat of suck. Whoa, whoa. Uh, Take a walk, sir. Uh, Hoop Dreams, by the way, was a documentary that came out um, in the 90s. But it followed, late 90s maybe, but it followed, it, it, was, a fa- it, it was a fantastic documentary, award-winning documentary in the era before the 30 for 30s and that kind of thing. And it followed two players, Arthur Agee and William Gates, who were, it came out in 1994, and it had followed their high school recruitment and their senior year of high school in 1991, which was my senior year. So that probably connected in particular with me. But the bottom line is this. During the time that it followed these two players from inner city Chicago and their dream of becoming NBA players and being bussed out to a suburban Catholic school in order to be able to be basketball prodigies and and kind of the exploitation to an extent that takes place with that. There is a scene where they go to the Nike All-American Basketball Camp, which was the basketball camp by invitation only uh, after Five Star Basketball Camp, which was another big one of that era. Five Star took place in Pittsburgh. Nike ultimately came to Indianapolis. But in the scene of it, I'll never forget, it shows the dorm where all these basketball players are staying with each other. And the camera pans around to show Arthur Agee and William Gates in the dorms. And you see a bunch of kids sitting there eating pizza, and they hold up the pizza, the slices of pizza, you know, like, hey, like cheesing for the camera. It's a real video. And the players are Jawan Howard, Jalen Rose, Chris Weber, and I believe Grant Hill. But they're just kids like as a junior in high school that are all hanging out at camp together. And I remember watching it and thinking to myself, that's where the Fab Five was born. Those guys, granted, they all played together in the same area in high school, but they sat there in a camp in a dorm room over pizza, I guarantee you, and were like, you know what, Like we should all play together in college. 
And in the AAU circuits today, I think so many guys get to know each other no matter what part of the country they're from, and they talk about how cool will it be for us to play together in the league when we get there. And you now see it with free agency and what you're talking about, Kevin, of Tyrese Halliburton playing on a USA team. This is another extension of that sort of an opportunity to bond with guys and talk about combining forces as super twin powers activate in the NBA level. Did the Pacers overpay for Bruce Brown Jr.? We'll chat about that. Nine o'clock hour, more into Bruce Brown coming up next. A little taken aback we haven't got rolling, 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 rolling. <laughs> well, that one you know apparently, so I gotta, I gotta keep it. No, which, who sings the one that is, um, I'll tell you the one that was constantly Saving in the that for the pop clubhouse. quiz. Oh, yeah, for maybe. Katie Wingy All the tension in up. the world today. The da, 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 That's the a little biscuit. Today. Yeah, yeah. That was constantly being played in the St. Louis Cardinal Clubhouse. Did constantly. it all for the noogie? Is that That's right? That's the Mission Impossible 2 theme song, that Lump Biscuit song. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up at 940, the Jeremiah Johnson of Denver, Katie Wingy. I don't know if she takes that as a compliment or not. So uh, She's going to join us coming up, talk a little bit more about Bruce Brown. Jake, I would say, and again, it sounds like we will get an announcement for the Pacers coming up a little bit later today as the moratorium ends around lunchtime and these NBA teams can actually talk about the moves that they've made over the last week or so. If there is a knock on Bruce Brown Jr. that I've seen from Pacers fans, I don't think there's an overwhelming amount that feel this way, but they would be like, oh, you're overpaying. You're just, this is Austin Crozier from the 2000 finals. A guy got hot in the playoffs on the championship team or a championship type team, and now he's going to cash in. You know, I know it wasn't the same sort of playoff run, but you remember the contract Solomon Hill got Yeah. after that playoff run the Pacers had? I think it was just a seven-game series with Toronto, but he was big there. I, I think of when the Cavs made a run. Remember Timothy Mozgov, Jake? Oh, yeah. So you've got certainly case studies of guys that have been on good, great teams. They've gone deep in the playoffs, and that player in a contract year has cashed in. I don't think that is the proper example with Bruce Brown Jr. for a couple of reasons. One, this is a two-year contract with a second-year team option. I cannot stress that enough. I mean, this is pretty much... Bruce Brown's on a contract year, if he wants to look at it like that, because the Pacers decide that at the end of this year whether they want to keep him around for one more season at that you know $20 million, $22 million price tag, or if they want to let him walk in free agency or hit free agency. So... This is a guy that is not signing some four-year, massive guarantees, five-year deal, massive guarantees, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think it applies there. The other thing that I think you have to keep in mind here, and there's a little bit of context that we should mention, Jake. The Pacers had to pay over 50% of their cap space to hit a salary cap floor. So they had to spend it on somebody. And if you're going to spend money, to me... Why not spend it on your two biggest weaknesses? And I think Bruce Brown addresses both of those in that he guards and he also won this past year with Denver and won at a high level. His game individually went to another level in the playoffs. And if you look at the Pacers roster right now, what are two things they need to work on? They can't guard you or me. And they have virtually no playoff experience of meaningful value anywhere on their roster, especially when you factor in the top six or seven guys. I think he... Did they overpay for him? 
maybe based on market value, but the value to Indiana... Context matters. Correct. The value to Indiana is bigger than market value. I think I told you, Kevin, we, when we have talked about baseball cards, I remember saying to my dad when I was a kid, Dad, I got a, rookie Henderson, a Ricky Henderson rookie card. It's worth $200. And my dad said, to who? So, well, the, 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 the guide, it says it's worth $200. And my dad said, Jake, it's worth what somebody will pay you. Okay. And he knew that I had to find somebody that either loved Ricky Henderson or was looking for, you know, to complete a set and they needed that particular card. That card is worth more than to that guy than just some random kid that collects baseball cards. And... In the case of Bruce Brown, as I mentioned yesterday, Kevin, Bruce Brown does well what Indiana does not or did not. And that's why they paid him. And that's why if somebody said, well, they overpaid market value, probably true. And you could make the argument that that was foolish because nobody else was, you know, if nobody else was, if he doesn't have that value to everybody else, why would you give him that money? You would, you should have paid on market value versus your own value. The, the cap floor has something to do with it, but also they probably just wanted to simply secure yeah, that they were going to get his service because he does what they need. That line of thinking is Chris Ballard line of thinking. When you're in free agency, you've got to overpay a little bit. Everybody's right. overpaid. If a guy is what you need and what you want, you go get him, right? If not, you're shopping on a different level shelf, and you're not going to get the type of player that you would really like to get. So do they welcome do that, to free agency. The, the top shelf deal, they do that like in liquor stores, right? Like you, the, the top liquors at the top. And the, yeah, I'm not a they, big top shelf guy. Do they do that with like shampoo, like soap, detergent? I would guess that's more of a just a... Cereal? They just want it at your eye level, don't they? Top shelf what would be top shelf cereal and shampoo. Well, like for example, well, thank you for asking. Um, Vo five and cocoa pebbles. Well, Lucky Charms, <laughs> easily. The Fruit Loops would be higher than the Fruit Whirlios. Gotcha. You know I, mean, I mean, honestly, eye level at the grocery store should just be good for young children because whatever Rosie lays her eyes on, she wants to throw in the cart. Do they still make Kaboom? Was that the Shack movie or was that Kazam? That was Kazam, I think. Kaboom was a, a totally obscure, rare cereal. It was a cereal. clown cereal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was yeah. I remember eating it as a child, and I saw Kill Bill Volume 1, and they had it as like a, they used it in a scene, and I was like, ah, oh, Kaboom! That's cereal rules. <laughs> sounds like a Pokemon card, Mark. It is just like the, the worst sugar cereal yeah, ever, right? It was bad, but it was fun to remember. Now, then the the, the Boo Berry, and, and isn't there another Frankenberry. one? Frankenberry. Yeah, those are seasonal, right? Uh-huh. Frankenberry had some staying power. Count Chocula, obviously. Yeah, those come around like that. Those are my like pumpkin spice lattes. When the monster cereals come back in stock, look out, world! Thirty-five-year-old <laughs> yeah, Mark Dykton here going lined up for, for. Thank you for making bear. me younger than I am. <laughs> uh, but no, back to to Brown. I I just think that I have no issue with it, and I thought it was. There is probably some truth to. Here's the thing. With Austin Crozier, that's a fair point of like, is this an Austin Crozier example where he got paid based on a strong NBA Finals performance? But it was Indiana that paid Austin Crozier that money to retain him. I don't know how much other people were in the market for him. In this case, you had to outpay Denver 
first and foremost to to get him away. So it, it's a little bit different because you're you're taking him away from a franchise. I had made the point yesterday. When you win a title, there are always players that get plucked away because people go, he was on a title team. That means he equates to championships. And in those scenarios, you often see players that then go somewhere where they are miscast because people don't realize that the reason they were successful in their previous stop is because they they fit perfectly what that franchise wants and needs. I believe that he fits perfectly what Indiana wants and needs. Yeah, Alex says something here that I, I think we both are saying. I'm certainly trying to say. He goes, is it really an overpay when you think that they had to spend the money to get to that salary cap floor and it was a pretty weak for agency class? Yeah, and it's again, it's only a one-year deal if you want it to be. You've got that second-year team option. Jake, you asked... I think you asked Scott, Scott Agnes this. Maybe, yeah, I think you did. You asked Scott Agnes, you know, hey, it's the Heat and Jimmy Butler on the schedule, or it's the Celtics and it's Jason Tatum on the schedule. Who's guarding Jimmy Butler? Who's guarding Jason Tatum? I, I know Scott said Andrew Nemhard. To me, I think it's Bruce Brown. I know he's only 6'4. Let's not act like Nemhard's much taller than that. It's probably worth pointing out. I know this gets a little bit into the, you know, Jay Billis wingspan length sort of draft bingo card that we played a few weeks ago. But he does have a 6'9 wingspan, which I think helps Bruce Brown play a little bit bigger than just the listed height on the back of the basketball card. So I think when you play those teams, maybe not Giannis, maybe Giannis would fall more into a Jairus Walker or an Obi Toppin situation. But I think when you're facing the wings, I think that is where Bruce Brown Jr. over Andrew Nemhart. Now, it's a decent problem to have when it is. You, you know, you've got multiple guys that you're thinking about there, but I think he would get the first assignment there over Andrew Nemhart. Who's the best defender the Pacers have had in the last five years, ten years? Well, probably Paul, if you go back ten years. Yeah, I, I guess you could throw in, you know, rim protector, Turner, or Hibbert. But if you're talking yeah, it's wing, probably, wing defender, I would say Paul George. Yeah, I mean, well, Solomon Hill was pretty good. I don't know if that fits into that year criteria. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, and Solomon Hill was an interesting. You know, that's the classic example of, to your point, like he, he played well for them in a playoff stretch, and then boom, he got a massive payday elsewhere, and it's like you, you go. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this isn't Lance Stevenson's deal with Charlotte. You know, this is a one-year deal with a second-year team option. So the Pacers are in great control over how they would like to handle this situation. And again, if you are going to, and I say that in quotes, overpay, um, which there's context behind it. Part of it is the Pacers have drafted horribly, so they haven't been able to be in a position to really pay anybody on their own roster significant money then uh, do it for a guy that helps out your weaknesses that's what Bruce Brown Jr. does so uh, potentially could hear from them a little bit later today as the NBA moratorium ends at noon do you know who I think is still available as an unrestricted free agent I don't think has signed anywhere Uh, fanboy Zhang (laughs) fanboy is (laughs) He, he, he is still available. We're yeah. on the Shanghai Sharks now with <laughs> Stefan Stefan Marbury. Um, you got a name out there. You you just were yeah, very excited. I, I am about so. That. Thr- I'm making sure that nobody has. I because this amazes me if nobody has signed him. That's like when the printer starts to work. I, I'm a well that <laughs> I've forgotten what that feels like. I 
I would be amazed if this player is still available. But if he is, uh, I, Pacers got to go all in. They've got to go all in on this guy. I don't care. I mean, do they have money left? Is there sarcasm with this? No, 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 yes, no, yes. no, no. They do. They they certainly have money left. How much they have left? Ah, uh, boy, I need to double check that. But they have enough to make a notable deal. Well, this would be notable. I mean, this would be like, I mean, it would, would be notable be, for you. I think. No, it would be notable. A guy. I mean, think about this. Seven ish million. A guy that's played. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. Will you, you just say the damn name? Eight hundred career games. I know where he's going already. Do you? Mm-hmm. Just six boards per game. Just Udonis Haslam. Lockdown mm-hmm. defender. Great attitude. Oh boy! Anytime you name attitude that early, it's probably not a <laughs> coach on the floor. Locker room guy. Community Tuesdays. Bismack Biombo, no, baby. I, I, I knew it. I knew. <laughs> you know the best thing about Bismack Biombo? His name's Bismack Biombo. You know another one that's available, another free agent available. Pacers already have 37 centers. Willie Cauley-Stein. I thought that guy was going to be a, oh, literally, I thought he was a trajectory-changing player. He broke my heart. Blocked Jerry and Grant in the corner of the uh, 2015 Elite I game. I thought Kentucky, he was Notre going Dame. to be so good. You know, it's so interesting. If you look at the NBA free agents available right now. Top 10 pick, right, Cauley-Stein? Yeah. Willie Cauley-Stein's available. DeMarcus Cousins is available. Um and Nerlens Noel's available. Like right there, there's three guys out of Kentucky that were thought to be, you know what I mean? Injuries obviously hurt Boogie. Great, Christian great Wood is intriguing, honestly. He's kind of a crazy dude, isn't he? I think that's right. Am I imagining things or did Larry Bird think Willie Cauley-Stein was going to be like a build-a-statue type player? Yes, I think. I don't think you're imagining that. Noah Vonley's available. God, you are deep in the free agent archives right now. Trendon Watford's available. Blake uh, Gr- Blake Griffin, Katie, the most overrated player in the history of basketball. Katie Wingy going to join us here coming up in about 25 minutes. Again, um, she does Nuggets TV, kind of like the Jeremiah Johnson for the Nuggets. So, Mark, that's got to be an early wake-up call for her now that I do the math. Yeah, I was talking with her the other day, and she said, well, she's going to Vegas for Summer League, so that's why she'll be up as early as she will be. Gotcha. She's on her way to the airport? You've been to that Denver airport? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, they have, like, the world's the largest theories. circus tent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's like they wrote books. Dan Brown wrote books about it, right? Yeah. The horse with beat red eyes and everything like that. It yeah. fell down when they were building it. It um, killed somebody. That airport, by the way, the Denver airport, the best thing about it is it's actually in Colorado Springs. That airport is enormous. I had a layover there when I was flying out to the see my parents when they had their car accident. I remember I was just walking around for three hours. I'm like, this, is, this doesn't end. <laughs> and that was just going. Connect. I mean, it's, it's got to be one of the busier airports in a, what, 10-hour radius of that city? Yeah, I remember Justin like, what Wilson. what else is busy? The, the, the late, great Justin Wilson, the race car driver, lived in Denver. He was British, obviously. And I'm Isn't like, that where Steph lives now? And Steph lives there now, yeah, for that reason, right? And I said, why did you move to Denver? And he said, because it's the most centrally located airport. Everything's, you never have more than like a three-hour flight. I'm like, okay, fair. Yeah, the Nuggets travel's got to be decent. I mean, obviously, they don't have a lot of quick, quick flights, but it's nothing too extreme. I mean, I've told you before, Kevin, on this show probably a million times, Sam Perkins, when he signed with Indiana, he told Mark Monteith one of the critical factors for Sam Perkins to decide to play the end of his career for the Pacers was he had played so many years in Seattle He's like, I, the flights are too long. 
and with Indiana, you play predominantly in the east, the Eastern Conference. Obviously, most of your flights are two hours or less. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They I'm, should they should use that more as a selling pitch. You know who actually would find that interesting? Bismack Biombo. Get him on a flight here. <laughs> it wouldn't take long. I That's am. probably why Damian Lillard wants out of Portland. He's like, I'm tired of these long yeah, flights. Honestly, speaking of centers, I am interested to see over the next week or so what Isaiah Jackson shows in summer league. I mean, you know, we said it to Gennaro Pargo. We had him on yesterday. Summer league coach. I mean, you talk about guys on the Pacers roster playing in summer league. Mathern and Nemhard. It's just kind of the cherry on top. Isaiah Jackson. This is a critical, critical season for his NBA career. If they move Daniel Tice to Scott Agnes's point earlier, I mean, Isaiah Jackson's your backup five on paper. I'd assume he's over Jalen Smith. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We probably should do a little morning check down early, right here, Mark? You said 940 for Katie Wingy. Uh-huh. So we got the pop quiz in about 10 minutes. Uh, before that, let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Uh, this just in, Bismack Biombo available, but so far no interest in the Pacers. Uh, last night in the Boy, WNBA. Hearts broken across 465 today. I would, buy the, the, uh, I would buy every bit of, like the t-shirts, koozies, hats, cell phone holder, anything that says Bismack Biombo on it. Congo yeah. for him, is that correct? That is correct. Could you Con- imagine, Congolese. Jake, next Pacers season that they sign Bismack Biombo? You get a restraining order. Yeah, You'll uh-huh. be able to sit in your seats. They'll be like me and Michael Shrewsbury. The only time I've ever talked to a player when they're checking into the game, when I'm at a game as a spectator, yeah. was when Jay That's Crowder. A brag of how close you sit to him. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't. I mean, I could have yelled. Jay Crowder, mm-hmm. who is also. I, Jay Crowder, I love as a player. But he was checking into a game, and I said, Hey, Jay. And he looked. Like, who's this guy? And I said, uh, can you tell your coach to put in Bismack Biombo, please? And he actually laughed. Which well, that's, not, that's not ideal for your it's teammate. Not, not a ringing endorsement for Bismack Biombo. Yeah, that is not at all. Jay, Jay Crowder literally looked at me and laughed. Oh, okay. Uh, last night, WNBA in Minnesota. It was the Lynx 90-83 over the Fever. Fever now dropped to 5-12. and 12. They're back in action on Sunday at the Fieldhouse, taking on Dallas for a 4 o'clock tip. Uh, last night, if you are a Reds fan, you were very, very happy. Once again, you turn on the Reds and you get some entertainment. It was actually a little bit away from the game as well. In the second inning, uh, Ellie De La Cruz being questioned by Davey Martinez, Nationals GM, about what was the exact term, Jake, that you said? Batting assist? Batting on the end of his bat there? It's some sort of a device that is designed to to track the bat itself. But he... Give you some data and feedback on Correct, but he didn't have the actual um, the tracker on there. He just had the, the the rubber cap that holds the tracker. So Martinez goes out there, makes a stink about it, and the fifth inning, Daly Cruz comes up and hits one 455 feet. Make sure to take a look over at Davey Martinez and the Nationals' dugout. Davey not happy after the game. I love it. I'm biased. I'm a Reds fan. I'm a De La Cruz fan. Baseball needs more of this. Don't look now, but here come the Red Lakes. 19-23, the Reds. They just won their seventh road series in a row, which has got to be close to a franchise record. Makes it sound like Bismack Miyambo was getting like the Brian Scalabrini treatment. You know, like how like the Celtics would be up by like 25 and then... Didn't and they do a taco Scalabrini. fall chant one time? Yeah. Like, put him in. Okay, fine. Go in there. That's Udonis Haslam. Yeah. For the Heat. Taco Fall. Now, he's Taco Fall is 
like dominating the Chinese league. Is he, is he really? Uh, yeah, I saw that. He's like dunking all over people and hitting threes. And That was Brad Stevens when he put him in the game, I remember. Brad just kind of had a little grin and said, all right, finally, I will put him in the game. Uh, Summer League last night, Jalen Huchifino had 20 points on 8 of 17 shooting, so a much more efficient night than his debut. Trace Jackson Davis news, we've yet to see him due to a hamstring injury, but he did ink, and this is from Adrian Warchanowski of ESPN, a four-year deal with Golden State, two years guaranteed. So those are contracts second-round picks dream of, particularly ones taken 57 overall. So great news on that front for Trace Jackson Davis. We could see tomorrow night, doesn't sound like Trace is going to be out too long with his hamstring injury. We could see tomorrow night Jalen Hood, Shafino, and Trace Jackson Davis. I believe that tip is scheduled for 11 o'clock in the Vegas Summer League. Catch that on your ESPN. Uh, by the way, this also just in: the LA Lakers apparently interested in free agent center Bismack Biombo. God, God, are you just oh still on this? After Mason Plumley signed to stay with the Clips. Now Plumley's actually the competent one, right? <laughs> of all of them, <laughs> he actually is a pretty good player. Yeah, he was traded mid-season from, I believe, the Hornets. Where's Miles? Uh, there's Miles Mason, and then there's a third one, right? Yeah, Marshall. That's right. Um, Miles is the one the Pacers took, right? Do you think he's playing somewhere? Let's look that up. This is always good radio when we look stuff up live on the radio. Uh, Miles Plumley currently is he? He got back into the league, did he not? I I think you might be right. It wasn't for very long. I mean, easily Mason's had the best career out of those three. Miles Plumley, his last year in basketball was with the. Perth Wildcats. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Down under. And just so you know, um, the contract's there that pays a healthy healthy Perth. That was one of your worst. (laughs) Pretty awful. One more day, Kevin, in about a half hour. Scotty Jay's in studio. He's got a Reds jersey on. The Reds are the hottest team in baseball. I I Actually, I think the Atlanta Braves are. should probably stand corrected on that. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. But nonetheless, thank you, Mark Dykton, on that. All right, it's pop quiz time. 317-239-1070. We'll do a little bit earlier today with Katie Wingy of the Nuggets coming up to talk Bruce Brown with us to round out the show. So give us a call. Pop quiz is next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Time for the pop quiz, 317-239-1070. Give us a call for that. Uh, Katie Wingy from the Nuggets TV going to join us here in about 10 minutes to talk more. Bruce Brown Jr. And we should get an official announcement uh, in all likelihood on Bruce Brown Jr. and Obi Toppin coming up later today. By the way, do you know, here's my pop quiz question for you real quick, Kevin. Your alma mater from a high school standpoint and my alma mater from a high school standpoint share something in common in terms of the Major League Baseball draft. Do you know what it is? This year or just in recent history? In history. Uh, They each have had first-round draft picks? More specific. They... 
I remember one year that Cathedral had a kid going round one. Lawrence North also had a kid going round one that year. Um, I believe it's the same. I think both to the Royals, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I thought he was Nolan, an LN kid. Nolan Watson of Lawrence North and as well Ash Russell of Cathedral were drafted in 2015 by the Kansas City Royals. But in 1983, Gary Thurman of North Central also drafted by the Kansas City Royals. Huh. So both have produced Kansas City Royal first-round draft picks. So, again, this is from the Indy Star, and we brought this up earlier because Max Clark from Franklin is supposed to be a top-five overall pick. Franklin High School, top-five overall pick coming up on Sunday. Of the 17 players that have gone straight from the Indiana High School ranks into being first-round draft picks of Major League Baseball teams, only three of the 17 have ever made the majors. Matt Glinesk has a really good article that chronicles each of them and tells just about their journeys and where their career took them, etc. And I think if you've paid any attention to prep baseball here in the state over the last 10 to 15 years, you're going to see some names on that list and think, wow, I forgot about him, or I can't believe he did not pan out. But obviously, as Jake pointed out earlier, nothing, nothing like the Major League Baseball draft in terms of a crapshoot there. Um, All right, are we good on callers, Mark? Yep, we're good. All right, a number one through eight, Jake. Four. Mike. That was quick. (laughs) What's up, Mike? Hey, how's it going? How's it going with you, Mike? Doing, doing well. Doing well. Mike, did you have a good uh, Independence Day holiday? I did. Just took it easy and, uh, yeah, didn't didn't get caught up in any of the rain or anything like that. Just hung out with some, some friends and had a good time. Do you believe that when it comes to your neighbors blowing stuff up, are you okay with that on what's your, like, window of time where it's acceptable before you're like, come on, man? I would say, like, the third through the fifth is fine. Okay. If you're if you're within a day, but yeah, after that, I mean, I thought it was pretty quiet last night. I don't want to speak for everybody, but did you guys have? I, I mean, I live down in Broad Ripple, so I mean, sometimes you don't know if they're fireworks or not. Well, so. sadly, yeah, that yeah. is that is true. <laughs> is a... On that end, Mike, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Ooh, probably either Reggie or uh, Chipper Jones. Reggie Miller. Yeah, either Reggie or uh, or Chipper Jones. So, yeah. what are you about? Forty years old, Mike. 38. Okay, yeah. Chipper. I feel like Chipper is kind of an underrated, big-time baseball fan. So in roughly 2003, you were graduating from what high school? Uh, Zinesville in 02. Okay. All right, fair enough. Do you know the Colts special teams coach at all? Wasn't he a Zinesville grad, Brian Mason, around that time? Maybe a little bit younger, I guess. Yeah, I think he may be be younger than me. So I'm not not familiar with – I know that I – I had heard that he uh, graduated from there, but not familiar with him. Yeah, pretty cool that a uh, new special teams coach, yeah. a Zionsville Absolutely. grad. Jake, you want to uh, lead off here? All right, I'll lead you off here. You ready, Mike? Question number one for you. Four years ago today, the L.A. Clippers acquired Paul George from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Which of the following players was not acquired by the Thunder in the deal, either directly or via the draft? Danilo Gallinari, Jalen Williams, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, or Chris Paul? Yikes. Go with the guy with two first names. The guy with two first names. Did you say it was Gallinari, Paul, Shea Gilgis, or what was the other one? Jalen Williams. Yeah, so Shea Gilgis. I mean, two names, right? 
two. He does per- have two. I, I guess Shay Gilgis Alexander technically does have two. Mike, I'd go with Chris Paul and move on. <laughs> oh, okay. Chris, let's go with Chris Paul, too. Right? Yeah, I nice. All right. Number two here, Mike. 90 years ago today, the first Major League Baseball All-Star game took place at Comiskey Park in Chicago with the American League beating the NL 4-2. Babe Ruth hit the first home run in All-Star game history in the third inning. Another future Hall of Famer homered in the game, which, of course, we all remember. Thank you, Scotty. Was it A, Chuck Klein, B, Lou Gehrig, C, Frankie Frisch's big boy, or D, Al Simmons? I went to prom with Kathy Frisch, by the way. Any relation go to with, uh, Frisch's big go boy? Go with D. Go with Al Simmons. Cut. All right, question number three for you. Which team in Major League Baseball has scored the most runs so far this year? Dodgers, Braves, Rays, or Rangers? It's either the Braves or the Rangers. Uh, let's go with... Um, am I going to be upset if I don't go with my team? Is that a fair hint? Uh, go with the one that's the more obscure franchise of the two. Yeah, let's go, let's go Rangers. Okay. All right, number four here, Mike begging for hints. I kind of respect it. Uh, the Las yeah. Vegas Aces are off to a record start in the WNBA uh, season this year, winning 16 of their first 17 games. Who currently owns the second-best record in the WNBA, and then they also played in the first-ever WNBA game? Is it A, the Connecticut Sun, B, the New York Liberty, C, the Atlanta Dream, or D, the Washington Mystics? Uh, Liberty. All right, last question for you, Mike. Of the following four tennis players, which one does not have 350 or more wins in major tournament singles matches? Martina Navratilova, uh, Novak Djokovic, Serena Williams, or Roger Federer? This was the nemesis of Chris Everett. Yeah, I was going to say Martina. Yeah, that's... Martina, yeah. That surprises me, actually. But that is, in fact, the correct answer. Martina Navatilova. That is correct. Am I seeing this right? Randy Johnson is now a professional photographer and Yo, he, shoots NFL games. He shoots the Long Beach Grand Prix every year for IndyCar. That where's is the, Where's awesome. the little vest? Does he obstruct you know, camera people behind him? I walked up to him and asked if I could interview him. He could not have been a bigger red-ass jerk. Well, there you go. Oh. Hey, he's in his element, Jake. He's. I get it. You know, be like, well, I did the same when he was when he was a pitcher for the Diamondbacks and they were playing the Cardinals. I had to go in and interview him after a game. Could not have been a bigger <laughs> RAJ for that either. Uh, Mike, good work. That was a rocky start, but uh, we were able to um, somehow get it back on the tracks there. Chris Paul was right. Uh, see, uh, Correcto. Frankie Frisch was correct. Chuck Klein by yeah! Indianapolis. Well, he did not get that one right. He said Al Al Simmons. Oh, sorry, that was the one. That he was missed. the one he missed. Dang In God. my opinion, that sucked. That was a one eighty there. Rangers, New York Liberty, and Martina Navratilova. <laughs> Katie Wingy to talk Bruce Brown Jr., the Jeremiah Johnson of the Nuggets. She joins us to round out the show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm not sure if our next guest, well, actually, I, I know that she does not know this, but I believe, and I want to make sure that I have this correct, that I have played a clip of her um, leading into a Nuggets broadcast for my class at IU, I want to say each of the last two years. And so Katie Wingy joins us right now. 
Uh, and again, for those in our market, like think like Jeremiah Johnson, better version of Jeremiah Johnson with the Nuggets. Um, she joins us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. All right, Katie, do I have this right? It's you and Scott Hastings doing a little you know, pregame segment, and you, I think, asked Scott, I, I kind of forget the, the actual question, but I believe you asked him if Jermichael Green was going to play in the game, and is that when Scott literally just like turns around and just flat out asks Jermichael Green as he's warming up if he's going to play in the game or not? Well, first of all, thanks for that introduction. I don't know if I've ever been compared to Jeremiah Johnson, and I'm honored. Mm-hmm. I'm honored Better to version. carry that title. Um, yes, that is exactly what happened. So I was hosting in studio in Denver. Um, Jermichael Green was a game-time decision, and I noticed him warming up behind Scott Hastings, so it triggered my memory to be like, oh, is he available tonight for the Nuggets? We had time for a follow-up, and Scotty was on site. So I said, Scott, do you know anything? Have you heard anything? Coach Malone had already done his pregame press conference. Do we have any update on Jermichael Green? And Scott hadn't heard anything, but since he was right there, he pretty much just turned around and said, hey, Jermichael, are you playing tonight? <laughs> And Jermichael shook his head and said no. And he said, well, there you go. He's not playing. And that clip went viral and continues to sometimes like resurface and come back up, which is, is really funny. Yeah, your, your reaction is pretty priceless. And I mean it in all seriousness. And I say this to my students. So thank you for educating those in Bloomington, Indiana on an annual spring basis. I say to them, like, that is perfect. Use your credential. We all get this great access. You know, Scott's on the floor at the time. You Use your credential. Now, Scott took it probably a step further than maybe I would feel comfortable <laughs> doing. But yeah. I think it is equally funny and somewhat educational. And that's why I decided to play it. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're so welcome. I'm, I'm happy to be able to, to speak to the next generation in Indiana, yes. of all places. Yes. Katie, let's talk about Bruce Brown, because this has been our discussion. I want your thought on it. Um, we have seen here, like when the Pacers went to the NBA Finals in 2000, it's a good example, Austin Crozier had a really good series, and he got a big contract out of that. And I think there is some PTSD amongst Pacer fans here of – did they just overpay for a guy because of like a three-week flash that he had? What can you tell us about the overall body of work that Bruce Brown brought to Denver as opposed to just obviously a very strong push for them in the playoffs? Well, if you're looking for someone to be critical of Bruce Brown's game, you're not going to find that with me. Um, I, I think so highly of him as a player, as a person, Um, it's hard for me to talk to you guys about this because I don't think it's really sunk in yet for Nuggets fans and for those of us around this Denver team that he's not coming back. And I know I was only here for a season, but that was the type of impact that he had, and that was how good of a fit he was with this Denver Nuggets roster. Now, is he going to be that same type of fit in Indiana? That is to be determined. I'm not really sure. I know that he's chomping at the bit to – to have a little bit more opportunity, to have a little bit more freedom to show off what he's capable of. And one of the main things that he was really focused on coming into Denver and why Denver was such a great landing spot was because he was so tired of teams not knowing what to do with him. Like he was, when he was in Brooklyn, he was like the big man on the floor for them, playing the four, playing the five at times. And then in Denver, he got to get back to being, you know, a true guard. He got to be back to where his roots are, where he played in Miami and, and, and got back to being able to shoot the basketball and really get out and run and push the pace and transition. So him being able to show that off, him being able to get back to that, I think that's going to be more of what you see in Indiana, and that's going to be more of where he's most comfortable, and that's where he's going to thrive. And I haven't even gotten into the defensive side of the ball yet. So, fellas, you have a lot to be excited about. You really, really do. Well, Katie, it's interesting you mentioned that because – 
I feel like the Pacers see it as he does really well what they did terribly, and that's guard. And so he's going to get a lot of minutes just based on the fact that he can guard. But I, And I think this is a good thing. I don't think that Indiana is expecting him to do more than what what Denver asked him to do. So it's, it's almost like he's going to be asked to, to be the same kind of player here which is good for him, right? But can you talk um, and tell us a little bit more about him defensively? Because I think that's what Indiana most needs out of him. Yeah, he's an absolute dog on that side of the floor. And he knows it. He loves that being a part of his identity. He'll tell you guys that when you get a chance to talk to him. He absolutely loves locking players down in this league. And, and I think he recognizes that that's where he really made a name for himself in this league is on the defensive side of the basketball. When you think of Bruce Brown, his game truly is defend and run. Like, he wants to get his hand in the cookie jar. He wants to get steals. He wants to be active. He wants to contest really tough shots and make players get outside their comfort zone. And then when he does that, he's going to run and get out and push the pace and transition, look to get all the way to the basket. I can't tell you how many times we saw him go coast to coast. He's just so athletic and such a smart, high IQ defender and then you put his skill set alongside of that and and it's just it's incredibly fun to watch and he gets after it he's so competitive and I think that's half the battle on defense right is like just caring enough to want to get stops and doing that consistently putting your heart and soul and your effort into that side of the basketball and and Brown recognizes that that's why he's still in this league he recognizes that that's why he just got the contract that he got with Indiana. So you will absolutely see him taking over on that side of the basketball for sure. And Katie Wingy is with us uh, right now, Denver TV reporter, host, and analyst uh, with the Nuggets. Getting a little bit more into the Bruce Brown background as the moratorium for the NBA ends here in a few hours. So we should get official public comment from the Pacers on this move. We all saw Michael Malone at the parade, Katie, and his love (laughs) for Bruce Brown in a very public, maybe slightly intoxicated manner. Um, But nonetheless, clearly, Denver really, really loved him. Uh, Was the issue just strictly financial puzzle that didn't make sense considering what he got here from Indiana? Yes, it was absolutely the the offer that Indiana gave was too good for Bruce to pass up. And I think this is a really great lesson. Again, a great reminder that what you hear at a parade, don't always believe it. Because not only did Coach Malone step up on that podium and say, you know, Brucey B is not going anywhere. Bruce Brown stepped up to that podium and said, I got one question for y'all, one more year. And financially, there just was, it wasn't possible for the Nuggets to be able to keep him. And, and Bruce Brown is a player that has been overlooked his entire career. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think from a combination of what he's made in his NBA career, this Pacer deal like doubles that in just these couple years. So he, he earns this. He absolutely deserves this. He's worked his butt off to be in this position. And, and this is a situation, you know, where I think he probably wanted to stay in Denver. I think he probably wanted to stay with this team. He loved the city. He loved obviously winning a championship and, and having an opportunity to run that back with something that was uh, very exciting for him. It was something that he, I'm sure, thought about. But at the end of the day, like, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen a year from now. And so with that in mind, he was like, I've, I've been overlooked and underpaid in his in his perspective, my whole career. And for me to finally have a season where I could show off what I'm capable of doing and have an opportunity to be rewarded for that, 
I want to be able to do that and, and feel invested in with another franchise franchises if that's possible. You know, the life of professional sports, oftentimes, you know, you don't get to really know a, a player, per se, for several seasons. I mean, Bruce Brown was literally a nugget for one year, and yet, as you've mentioned throughout this interview, like, and your tweets indicate this, when Bruce Brown Jr. joined the Pacers, like, he clearly has a pretty special place in the hearts of, of Denver fans. I mean, you've spoken glowingly of him. Like, what was it about him, you know, on the floor? I, maybe it's his style of play, but what more can you speak to maybe his character that I Obviously, had Denver fans, you know, really loving a guy that had only been there for one year, and his last name wasn't Jokic or Murray. <laughs> yeah, well, first on the floor, you know, he he goes 110 percent every possession, and I think in today's NBA, those guys are so easy to root for when you can tell that they're leaving it all out there, and when you can tell that they're really committed and committed to winning and want to win, and they're able to put their egos to the side, they're able to be selfless, and they make really tough plays. And Bruce is just a tough player. Like, he's just a tough dude. And I think for fans that want to see, like, competitive, fiery basketball, he does that. He also, like, will talk his game. Like, he'll talk during games. And I think that gets fans excited, too. Like, if there's a player that he's getting into that's getting frustrated, he's going to let that player know. If he hits a shot next to the opponent's bench, he's going to let that bench know. And and so fans love that. They feed into that. And, and Bruce's personality just really... When, when things are going well, he is shining, as bright as you can shine. Um, and he was always so great with the fans, always so great in Denver, being around. Uh, the other thing that I think is going to be a great fit for you guys in Indiana is even though he's from Boston, he's a country boy at heart and loves country music, uh, is always wearing a cowboy hat and loves you know, Luke Combs and, and Morgan Wallen. And that's if he could pick what he's warming up to before games, he did in Denver. I don't know if it'll be the same thing in Indiana, but um, he had his own warm up meet. Like he would have the DJ in house play country music during his shooting routine. So it, he will fit in great from a personality standpoint, too. I feel like you guys thrive in country music over there so that that's another area where wow that that might actually work out pretty well for him you know we have indoor plumbing and everything out here uh-huh you that's know? wonderful <laughs> I mean, i'm sure he'll he'll feel great about that katie uh best country of limp biscuit versus papa roach <laughs> you, guys, you might not, not know this but i went to school in, in bloomington illinois so I, oh. I kind of have an idea of what it's like <laughs> there you go katie best concert you've seen in red rocks oh um well, my, my country is going to show here. Brantley Gilbert and Thomas Rhett before Thomas Rhett was Thomas Rhett was a really great concert. Wow, um, Thomas Rhett in like that Kygo, venue. That's pretty unique. Kygo there was really, really good, too. Mm. By the way, I assume you do a lot of outdoor stuff in Denver. That's one of the great benefits of living in a city that is not only gorgeous, but from a nature standpoint, is fabulous. Um, do you do a lot of like hiking and outdoor stuff yeah. in Denver? Have you yeah. ever gone to, and I'm going to mispronounce it, Katie, and I apologize for that, uh, near Pikes Peak, the incline. What's it called? The Manitou? Manitou, Manitou incline? Manitou incline, yes. Yes, so, I have done it. So I did that. Now you tell me, because I'm very proud of this. I actually printed myself a certificate and everything for it. Um, I flew to Denver, landed at like 11 o'clock at night, drove straight to that area, and then in the morning immediately did the incline. So I had not yet acclimated. And and did it, and then after that, I went to the top of Pikes Peak, and I think that that accelerated my acclimation. Now, am I making that up that my body would have would have acclimated faster because I did the incline? 
Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe your body's just really good at adjusting. Um, I think, honestly, that's incredibly impressive that you drove straight down and did that. That incline is no joke. It, it was. I mean, I'm not saying it was easy, right? I mean, it probably yeah. took me Katie, twice as long as we don't need to feed the ego anymore. That's right. That it's I'm, I'm going to feed the ego because those that are in Indiana probably have no idea. This incline is like... I mean, it's straight up. It's already at, I don't know what the, the base level is, but way higher than Denver is. Um, and, like, it's, it's near Colorado Springs, so Colorado Springs is one of the main facilities for Olympic training. So a lot of Olympic athletes will go and do it. They're crazy, and they'll wear, like, weighted vests and stuff, but it is this massive step. It's all these stairs. Um, and at like at the altitude that you're at, like it is, you you get winded after ten. Seconds. I mean, no question. I had to stop yeah. several times. I mean, but it it is super cool though, and that whole area, Katie. I mean, I, listen. I know that you're aware of it, but um, you know, just a huge privilege to be able to live in such a beautiful city with such oh, unbelievable stuff around it. it it's a very yeah. cool place for sure. I don't take it for granted. That's for sure. Katie, last one. And if you're not allowed to comment, feel free uh, because I don't know exactly what your you know employee status with the Nuggets is. I, I don't know if Jeremiah Johnson would fall in the same boat. Are you allowed to comment on any Denver moves? Because I do think as a someone that obviously follows the Pacers, uh, we really enjoyed the three years Justin Holiday spent here. Well, why don't you guys tell me what I'm in for then, okay. if that's the case. Jake? Um, no, I honestly, I think that um, none of it's official, as you guys mentioned, but I, the, the holiday move is one that I think the Denver Nuggets will. It, it feels very similar to Bruce Brown in a lot of ways yeah. because holiday hasn't gotten a lot of um, publicity. He hasn't gotten a lot of the playing time that I think that maybe he has deserved or, or we haven't seen the best of him yet. So is he a potential guy that could come in and really help the Nuggets and be a great fit in Denver because of, of what his game is like? Here's what I love about him, Katie. He can obviously shoot, but the thing I loved about Justin Holiday is he is one of those guys that understands what his role is and is comfortable with it escalating or decreasing night to night depending on what they ask of him. He just he does it. not yeah, he doesn't play above himself and is totally willing to do whatever it is that's asked of him. Yeah, that's I mean that sounds like a perfect fit for the Nuggets. Those are the type of guys that they're looking to get. So um, that that'll be that'll be really good for those of us in Denver. Yeah, really durable. I think kind of an ideal, you know, eighth, ninth guy to round out your second year. Probably can't do the incline though. Right after arriving in town, that's only the elite athletes. Yeah, exactly. The yeah, rare I, gifted I, one. I hope that your certificate is framed. <laughs> yeah, it somewhere. is laminated oh, yeah. on the fridge when he goes home. <laughs> Katie, heck yeah, <laughs> Katie, terrific stuff. Safe travels. Thanks for waking up for, with us early on this Thursday morning. Safe travels to Vegas, and uh, really enjoyed the combo. Appreciate it, guys. No problem at all. Katie Wingy right there. Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, she is a Bruce Brown Jr. fan. Absolutely. Uh, and that is that is encouraging in terms of her scouting report on him, right? Now, I don't think that we have a lot in common with Bloomington, Illinois, but I wasn't going to say anything. What What is this? I, I, we're kind of up against Illinois it. State. Is, is, Illinois State. My brother's is it Illinois there. State? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's in Bloomington Normal. Yep. Not a lot of normal about it, though, right? Yeah. It's a state college. Not much going on after that. They got a big airport there, or no? Uh, I don't believe so. Regional. In Bloomington, Illinois? Mm-hmm. That's on 74, is it not? On the way to Peoria? It's Yeah, it's in, in that region. Yeah. Redbirds, is that right? Uh-huh. That is correct. Yep. Uh, speaking of that, if you're looking for something to do here either tonight or this weekend, the Memphis Redbirds in town what to take on the Indianapolis. That was professional. That was. Uh, take on the Indianapolis Indians. That is over at Victory Field, of course. And Jake, possibly, I don't know, any content you want to tease for the show tomorrow? 
Uh, I think the Pacers are going to make some players available today, and we will see because it's afternoon if that means some of the newer faces uh, that we just talked about might be somebody that we're talking with this afternoon, and we can play some of that tomorrow. Uh, so potentially we'll hear from Bruce Brown Jr., maybe Obi Toppin. We'll see how all of that plays out as the moratorium for the NBA ends today at noon. Again, thank you to Scott Agnes and Katie Wingy. A little bit more on the Pacers front of things. Everybody enjoy this steamy Thursday. I think we are done with fireworks. Are we done? No. I don't know where you live. July 6th, no? We're not done? I thought they were quieter last night. Well, Shannon lives next door to a pyro, so... I thought you meant her father was lighting them off. I was like, <laughs> you know, just couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> Turn it back the clock, Donnie was there on that front. Uh, check out the podcast again. Scott Agnes and Katie Wingy. Everybody have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.